Um, Garrett, why don't you like tee it off? You uh, you went hunting this weekend and you killed something, unlike me. So talk about that for a second. Uh, well, I filled my Oregon bear tag. I cheated and I used a rifle, but it was there. So I, yeah, I'm not familiar with the area that I was hunting, and I don't. Like, I don't know where the, I didn't know where the bears are, but I know that there's clear cuts. So I decided to take a rifle this time till I can figure out where I can go and find one with a bow mm-hmm. and limited time to try to figure it out this year. So, but yeah, that was, it was the worst pack out of my life so far. Yeah. Probably you said it was like straight up, right? Yeah, it was straight up. And it was, uh, I was using, pulling myself up with, uh, reprod trees. Otherwise I was not going to make it up the damn hillside, but I do have to thank Kefaru for making a very nice and comfortable pack to pack out a whole bear. Cause I about died. Otherwise did the whole thing in one trip. Uh, yeah, I was not going back in that goddamn hole a second time. Damn dude. That's a, that's stout. Gee, many Christmas. Um, yeah, I'm guessing my pack was, with everything that I had in it from running around for the day and then the whole hide and head and meat, it was probably like a hundred pounds. It was heavy. God, I feel like that's heavy. I would not, not recommend doing that, but it's I'm gonna, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to sound like a real puss here in about two minutes, but because <laughs> my pack was not that heavy and I thought I was going to die. <laughs> uh, Blaine, did you, did you get out this past weekend? I think you did. Blaine's on mute. Oh, that's awkward. Oh, there we go. <laughs> there we go. There you go. go. Uh, yeah, Get I went and shot some. <laughs> Man down. <laughs> went and shot, shot a bunch of 3D this weekend. And oh, I, yeah. That's I right. shot, uh, or I went turkey hunting on Friday Friday night, too. But um, actually headed down about five hours south of me tomorrow to hunt turkeys. So try and get it done. We only get one tag here. So try yeah. to trying to kill one with a stick is a little bit tough and i mean you know bird population is limited up here so yep you gotta yeah, travel the, a little the, bit but. yeah the further north you go the more more sparse those dudes get yeah they, uh, and i mean they like the population is growing up here but it's tough god it's like the only place in the country i feel like it's growing yeah it's gonna be that's gonna be my excuse anyway for my next <laughs> story well, uh, yeah i guess i don't know yeah that's the way it seems well to be. Yeah, well, good luck. I hope you hope you get yeah. after something. Yeah, gonna, uh, I wasn't able to get after anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, God, the, that far up north, they really should just be peaking right now. Uh, yeah, Missouri was not kind to me. Uh, I've, I mean, I've, you know, I've had plenty of years where I haven't killed a turkey. You know, I haven't been as dedicated as before, and but this is like this is the first year I can remember where I didn't even like an opportunity didn't even present itself. Hell, I didn't even see a legal bird for out. I hunted eight days in Missouri and literally not a single legal bird was seen. Heard some gobbling in the morning. Then like seven o'clock, they just like fucking disappear. They just weren't there. So I don't know. It was a, it was an interesting season, but Missouri just posted numbers and it was the second lowest harvest total in like 17 or maybe it was 19 years. It was, it's been a while, so it was a rough year for Missouri, but hopefully it turns around. I don't know. I still have a couple weeks left to try and hunt Kansas, so I'm going to try and uh, head back down to Wichita with Evan and uh, try and tag out on a Rio there because I don't have a Rio yet, so I need one of those. 
Um, Aaron, has anything died this week? It seems like it's a weekly occurrence with you at this point. <laughs> yes, it has. Um, <laughs> my wife killed uh, the largest turkey I'd ever seen in my life, which is a funny story, which I can tell if you want. But it, 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 she, she, that was her second animal ever. She just started hunting. Um, and uh, she made a good shot of 25 yards. It ended up being just under 32 pounds. Jeez, Jesus Christmas, dude. When, when I picked it up, I was like... Do you, do you know how big this is? She's like, yeah, it looks big. I'm like, no, you don't understand. <laughs> That's a I freaking monster. 150 turkeys, and none of them were this, like, remotely close to this. And it was, I don't know, you know, she she and I get along amazing. And she was basically, you know, she didn't eat red meat. She was vegetarian for a while. Mm-hmm. And obviously living with me, that changed relatively quickly. But she, she wanted to get a bow. She got a bow. We started shooting. Hey, let's go to Texas. Uh, you know, let's go hunting. She got a turkey down there. and But she didn't sit with me in the blind very much. So we haven't had that, like, I don't know if you've ever done, like, house projects with your spouse, which I highly suggest not to do. But, uh, do, it before, do it before. you Just do a couple small projects before you get married, and you will find out who you are marrying really, really fast. Well, yeah, so the, the turkey came in, and I was relatively calm. Um, and then I saw when it pivoted left, how big it was. And I saw it probably had inch and three eighths, inch and a half spurs and 10 plus inch beard and was just giant. And I'm like, Hey honey, grab your bow. And she was on her phone and, uh, she, which we're always on our phone, you know, long sits. Right. But I was like, so she, (laughs) I, maybe a couple seconds later, it went to grab your fucking bow. (laughs) <laughs> and she's like, I am grabbing my fucking bow. Don't yell at me. And uh, anyway, I called it back in and, and uh, ended up giving us a shot. And uh, it was just a donkey. I mean, you know, it's a turkey, right? It's not like she shot a 400-inch mule deer. But I, right. even, even still, I was like, good God almighty. And, uh, I, you know, I, I shot one the next day um, at about, I don't know, we paced it off. Actually, it was about six feet. And... <laughs> That turkey was like that far. I know, right? It, it's it, <laughs> I'm better at thirty than I am close up. It's depressing, actually. But uh, mm, yeah, it came in and and circled behind the blind, and it was I'm sure performing a, an epic display that we could not see, but you could hear it. You know how they Spitting vibrate, drumming, yeah, yeah, yeah vibrating, flopping, and finally when it came out, I had stood up. Luckily, we had a tall blind. And I'm like, it is right there. It's right there. And she didn't know. I don't think I meant like I could see its beak like right out of her window. So I had to shoot in front of her at a downward angle. It was that close to the blind. And uh, it was, you know, I went to like three quarter draw and basically like squirrel shot it. Yeah. Let it loose. And, uh, you know, it's crazy because I I, uh, shot it right. I mean, I I mean, we did the autopsy. I shot it through the heart flew off and it died in flight and uh, she actually found it. I was looking under little cedar trees. They seem to bed up in there when they're, you know, wounded or whatever, or jacked Mm -hmm. up or die under there. And and, uh, she was waving at me and I'm like, did you find it? She's like, I think it's dead. And I'm like, Oh, that's deader than fried chicken. Yeah. It died in flight. Like, Holy Mm -hmm. shit. It was just rolled up in a ball in the middle of this big, you know, a landing strip opening. Um, So it was cool. So yeah, we killed uh, two turkeys that tagged me out in Nebraska total with three and then she had shot one there and one in texas so it was pretty cool yeah that's neat uh for for people who don't know a ton about turkey hunting 
Garrett. Uh, <laughs> a if you shoot a bird over twenty five pounds, like that's that's a pretty that's a pretty big bird. It's not like mega uncommon, but if you shoot one over twenty five pounds, that's a big bird. If you shoot one over like twenty eight pounds, that's a monster turkey. If you shoot one over thirty pounds, you need to be like calling the like Department of Conservation to let them know what happened because that's a I've. I, I think the the state record in Missouri, I'm pretty sure, is like just over 30 pounds. And we get pretty decent size Easterns, but man, good night. Their 32 pound bird is a freaking giant. And that was that was in Nebraska that you shot that one? In Nebraska, but you know, we're 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 actually hunting right off of um oh, you know, a farm where, mm-hmm. you know, they're eating like oat yeah. hay or whatever they call it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they're basically baited at the top. When I say baited, I meaning we're not shooting them over bait. Right. But, but they go to the, the whole food source there. They go to every day. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to build a fat turkey, that's the place to do it. So, yeah. um, you know, it's funny because she was saying like the Texas turkeys are little because um, I had shot a pile of them. Right. Down there. I actually ended up shooting three in one afternoon, which was crazy. And none of I them that. were, yeah, they were all like, you know, little baby birds compared to that one mm-hmm. that she killed. So, so before, uh, uh, before we get too far, I have one question that I, I've been, I've been fighting this since I tried to switch to trad. How, how are you shooting a trad bow? out of a blind like did you purposely go and buy like the tallest blind or build the tallest blind that you could because i have a i have a 58 inch amo recurve and sitting down my short ass can't shoot that in my double bull blind like it hits the top so i don't i don't know i don't know what to do yeah no i i'm um I uh, actually I got to get aj's gonna put another dollar because i just said yeah no um in the phone (laughs) but uh he, I won't tell if you don't. I'll edit it out. It's fine. Well, he said I'm helping him. Really, I should say yeah, no, a bunch because then he'll be able to afford the bow. He's got to every time I say yeah, no, he's got to in a hundred percent and for sure he's yep. got to put a dollar for his. Bow. He's going to be a rich man here pretty quick. Oh, yeah, but uh, it. <laughs> I, I like uh, specifically buy big blinds, and so the one we were in, I had just bought to for for this area. So for, for, you know, me and the wife to sit in and it's 98, mm-hmm. it's 90 by 90 by 90 or 90 by 90 by 98. Um, cause I'm wielding, you know, like a 64, no, mine's 62 inch bow. Right. Um, and now I can't, so that, that helps. Um, sure. but yeah, I specifically buy, you know, pretty tall blinds. We were in a, a few different ones. Some of them weren't quite as big squared, but they were, uh, tall yeah. and and I've got to do that same thing with antelope. Um, like I'm a very goal oriented person, and I'm going to get an antelope this year if I die trying. And I'll sit in that thing 14 hours if I have to. And so, you need <laughs> some space to lay down um, in that thing <laughs> at times. So I bought big blinds this year. There you go. Cool. I'll I'll pick your brain afterwards on on what you bought after we get done recording because I'm I'm kind of in that same boat. Um, in case you guys haven't figured it out yet, we're hanging out tonight with uh, Aaron Snyder from Kafaro International. He was uh, kind enough to hang out with us uh, uh, tonight and do talk a little bit about uh, about Kafaru, about trad bow hunting, and all things arrows. So we're gonna we're gonna pick Aaron's brain tonight because he's had a lot of success uh, in the past, and especially since switching to trad. It sounds. It, 
feels like every time I flip on Instagram, something else is dead. So uh, I, I, I want to do that. I want to be like Aaron Snyder when I grow up. Uh, so um, I had another question about, oh, okay. Yeah. You killed a lot of turkeys. Will you, will you tell Garrett to stop being such a turkey hater? And Man, okay. I okay, okay. Actually, I, I do. I, I want, yeah. Well, he lived in Ohio. So he has an asterisk next to his name for that. We didn't um, have a lot of turkeys where I grew up either. <laughs> I want to. I want to. I want to get like your quick two cents on the people that call uh, turkeys the poor man's elk because you hunt both, and if, if you killed a, a large amount of turkeys, like it sounds like you have, uh, then I would assume that you enjoy hunting them at least a little bit. Uh, how do you How do you feel about that uh, poor man's elk? Because I know it uh, it can be disparaging to elk hunters sometimes. Yeah, it is definitely a poor man's elk, and I make fun of turkey hunting as much as anyone. Um, I use the word that rhymes with Ray a lot when I talk with turkeys about turkeys. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm fortunate enough to where I get to bear hunt and turkey hunt, and I like to hunt. You know, I'm, I'm a hunter, and it's, it's fun. I mean, <laughs> the people that say it's like elk hunting, well, except for the fact of pain and misery. Yeah, it's just like elk hunting, except, you know, you're not packing out 100 pounds and you're not freezing to death and you're not generally backpack hunting and you are shooting at something that has a brain the size of a pea. Um, yep. But other than that, the general principle, yes, you may, uh, you know, make a sound, they make a sound back and then you go in and set up to kill them, <laughs> except I've never been able to sit uh, in one spot all day, like Midwestern turkeys, you can just sit there long enough. Eventually something's probably going to walk by. Right. It generally doesn't happen with elk. Um, at least not where I've hunted them, um, <laughs> no matter how long you sit. So there's a lot of differences, but the general principle behind it. But I mean, I think like, like Garrett, if you went turkey hunting with me, I guarantee you'd be addicted to turkey hunting because I hunt dumb turkeys and you're going to shoot a lot. You can't I would like that like part. That. Yeah, I must can't. be hunting the smart ones or something because I can't even get close to them. Or yeah, they just I I also just don't know enough about turkey hunting to try hard enough. And our turkey season is the same time as bear season, so bear takes priority. Yeah, I was gonna say if you went out of state, um, you know, like I lived in Minnesota and the Minnesota birds were a little bit harder to kill, so we'd go down to Missouri and hunt them. Um you know, but if I had to choose between hunting a bear and a turkey, it wouldn't be too difficult of a decision. Um, right. You know, I like to suffer when I hunt, but it is fun to have a, a, I mean, where else can you shoot three animals in one afternoon or four, right? I mean, I got to shoot three turkeys at one time, but it's not the same as backpacking in and shooting a bear, but we don't have a spring bear season here. So I, I go up to BC for, for spring. What? Bear. You guys don't have a spring bear season in Colorado? No, it's a lot. Is like there, there's only a, is there even a fall season? There is a fall yeah, season. Yeah, there's right? a fall season. Yeah. That's yeah, wild. I, I didn't know that. Voted out uh, spring bear and uh, baiting uh, quite a while ago. So, huh. um, yeah, it's a crappy deal. But um, I don't hunt turkeys in Colorado to speak of. I mean, I've, I shot one here this year, but, um, you know, I'm not going to go you know, mountain going, I don't generally go hunt mountain birds. It's pretty populated with people. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if I had a choice to go scout for another animal or go to a tournament, I'd probably choose that over, you know, turkey hunting, even though sure. I'm just, just saying I'm a hunter, I guess I'm a hunter of foam too, because it's a hell of a lot funner 
um, than wandering around in circles aimlessly hoping to shoot something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel you there. Um, so uh, I haven't heard the story, so I'm going to make you tell it again. Um, tell us how you got involved with, with Kefaru, because uh, like I said, I, I have no clue. Uh, and I am, I'm curious. Uh, several years ago, I was doing a lot of reviews on, on gear, um, and backpacks specifically, but you know, stoves and so anyway, the whole nine yards, I was doing a ton of different reviews and, uh, Kefaru kept coming up. I need to try Kefaru, which was funny. It was the one I hadn't tried out of all of them. And they were right mm-hmm. up the road from me. Um, to make an extremely long story very short, I finally got a hold of the owner, went and, you know, met him and, and uh, actually I paid for the packs. I got a discount to test them out and uh, the suspensions. I went on a five or seven day scouting trip and I was like, wow, where has this thing been all my life? And I was currently at that time using Mystery Ranch, which is another great pack. Um mm-hmm. And I hated the bags they made at Kafaru. They just were not my cup of tea. And so, you know, the more I, I used them, um, I got to know Patrick, uh, the owner, Smith, and he also started Mountain Smith. The, uh, they, they do backpacking packs. Um, and, you know, over, over time, I, I guess I was like a bad penny. You know, I kept showing up and he became really like a like a father figure to me. Mm-hmm. Um, helped him design a, a couple backpacks. And, uh, you know, one thing led to another and I worked kind of as a consultant and I got paid on a, a commission. I was working commercial glass and ironworking at the time. Um, and again, I'm really abbreviating this story, but, uh, <laughs> you're fine. You know, f- fast forward, um, you know, I'm the president and CEO of the company now. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, Jesus, seven times larger than we've ever been. And, can barely keep up and it's it's gone you know really really well um and and now um you know patrick's retired i'm able to do um a lot of things as far as designs like we just came out with a a a pack called the 44 mag that he quite honestly never would have done because he's a very simple man and he he likes simple packs and this Mm -hmm. you know got several packs but it's been great so that's that's the short version you know he had all daughters he needed somebody to take over for him and it was just kind of a right place, right time. And I worked for free for quite some time. Um, yep. And I didn't plan on this happening, um, but it did. And, you know, as, as Kefaru grew, my name grew, and I got involved with the Gritty Bowman. And, uh, you know, that helped. I'm, I'm not exactly the most, uh, what's the word here? I'm a social, uh, I'm, well, I'm introverted. I don't do well in crowds. I'm not mm-hmm. much for going to shows. Um, and so that kind of helped, you know, without me having to do a lot of that with, you know, getting kind of, um, some of my experiences and knowledge and different adventures I get to go on out there. So, yeah, well, that's, uh, it's a hell of a story, uh, that, I mean, it, it's, it's cool though, when you can, when you can just kind of wade into a company and offer, you know, a helping hand, uh, you know, and sometimes get paid and sometimes not. And then, then you end up where, where you're at. And, and at that time, I had gotten good enough at glass I could take three months off and not get fired, which is, mm-hmm. you know, amazing. So, yep. it, yeah, I mean, the fact I always had a job, even though I probably should have gotten fired. Um, <laughs> Patrick was, we fit in close together quickly because I was spending 100, 150 nights a year in the wilderness. And he would take me on backpacking trips to, st- 
to, to test my field craft. Mm-hmm. Well, the way that I was raised and where I was raised, which Garrett, if you're in Oregon, I was raised in Detroit Lake, Oregon, uh, okay. whopping town of 200 people, <laughs> you know, um, shooting things, quite honestly, not legal, um, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, picking mushrooms and, and splitting firewood and worked on a trail crew team. So he would test me like, have you ever had a marmot? And I'd be like, yeah, I've eaten marmot. Well, ask any other guy my age that, and you know, in this day and age, uh, and even the younger generation, you, you're like, what's a marmot or how do you even clean it? Where I'm like, yeah, I've had marmot. I'm like, the big ones taste like shit. You got to shoot the little ones. Well, for him, <laughs> he's like, oh my God, this kid should have been my son. And, <laughs> you know, he would, we'd get back, pack in and he would be like, Hey, um, you know, do you fish? I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. And so I catch a bunch of fish. He'd shoot some rabbits. I'd start cleaning them and he was used to doing that with guys that were 50, 60 years old. And, you know, I was 30 something at the time, 32 maybe. And, uh, you know, I'm over there, um, doing, you know, uh, things that he, I mean, honestly, he's pretty, pretty old. Right. So he probably th- thought that most young guys wouldn't be, you know, doing. And so, uh, whether it be, um, doing like a Dutch oven for fish or specific ways that I was, um, you know, cooking rabbit, or whatever he could tell I had field craft. So that kind of built points, even though I didn't yeah. know I was doing that at the time, it was, it was giving me street cred to him. Yeah. Um, build more rapport for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, then he was made, he made fun of archery and <laughs> I think the first, he was like, why don't you gun hunt? And I'm like, guns are gay. I'm like, I want to work for my animal. <laughs> and uh, I said, don't get me wrong. There's a time and a place to pick up a gun. I'd be the first one to admit that. But I, I like to, the challenge he's like well you're not gonna kill anything with that and i'm like really i think i laid down like 17 animals the next three months and i like literally <laughs> would text him hey look it worked still and not I, killing I mean, anything giving him shit and i'm like hey look i killed three elk it's amazing what this stick does you know and, and at that time i was shooting a compound but um you know we just in a very weird he is very different than I am. He's very methodical, mm-hmm. uh, extremely book smart as well as um, street smart and very, what am I trying to say? Get Well, give an example. The uh, people across from us had a vehicle in our parking lot and he went over and I politely asked them to move the, the, the work vehicle and they basically told him to piss off. And I went over there and grabbed a guy by the back of the neck and said, you move this vehicle or I'll break your fucking arms. Do you understand me? <laughs> and like Patrick's very capable of shooting someone or, you know what I mean? Like he's going to defend, but he would never have done that. And he was quite honestly like taken back, almost like scared, not scared. <laughs> like he was scared, but like, Oh my God, who is this guy? <laughs> um, so it took a little bit of time with, a, there was a few other <laughs> circumstances like that where I think he might've, been second guessing his decision for me to help him out because of things that, but he's calmed me down a lot too, like a pretty high strung and, and he's got me calmed down a bit too and helped me grow up as a individual, not just, um, you know, in, in the field, but also as a, as a human, you know, he's a great man. So. Yeah. And it's cool to find mentors like that. Uh, I, I'd say I have anyone, my wife has probably, uh, softened me the most. I, uh, it was definitely more rough around the edges before, her, uh, her soft touch came into my life and since then, uh, things have gotten better. So thank you, Danielle. Um, uh, okay. So you, you have 
somewhat recently, last two years or so, you have made uh, what really seems like an all-in jump to to trad. Have you uh, have you picked up? I mean, well, have you? I guess have you hunted with a compound since you were like, yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do this trad thing, or did you just like a hundred percent dedicate when you when you jumped right in? No, um, I've told this story a bunch too, but I'll, I'll tell it quickly again. I did a podcast on ethical shooting distance and uh, talked about you know, a, a compound guy at 60 to 80, uh, the, the arrow flight and the momentum, you know, I've always shot pretty heavy arrows, um, and pretty heavy poundage. And, you know, my momentum at 70 or 80 is equivalent to yours at 30, uh, flight time. I, I broke everything down like that. Um, cause I, I've, you know, I'm the asshole that has shot animals really far away with a compound. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the guy that stick guys make fun of basically or <laughs> so I um which puts me in a very unique position in the position I'm in now because now I'm a stickbow guy but I made fun of stickbow guys like for years um and I never would have a million years imagined I'd be as dedicated to it as I am now but I did that podcast and I got tons of hate mail about um you know pick a stickbow up and become a man you're a shitty hunter uh, pick up a bow pick up a, you know and I'm like I'm a very, very driven person and a very goal oriented person. And I'm like, all right. So I sold all my shit, sent out a text to some of my buddies, said I'm shooting trad this year, no matter what. And one of them was Tom Clum, who owns Rocky Mountain Specialty Gear with his boys. And he was pumped. He's like, because he's heard me. I shot my caribou. Well, there's arguing who remembers correctly, but somewhere between 127 and 140 yards, I shot my caribou. Legit. Like, and uh, (laughs) I've shot a turkey in fact i think aj found a video i shot a turkey at 104 um i've shot stuff close up too but i certainly was not afraid to drop a bomb right so tom's like okay so he i've made the switch right so i go in and i literally have a wad of cash because i had six bows i mean you bow presses everything known to man i probably had 10 spot hog sites ham scare arrests i'm thousands of dollars and I mean, archery talk went crazy that day, right? I put shit like for sale and I literally had this giant wad of cash and I'm like, all right, I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing, <laughs> but I'm ready. Let's do this. So Tom, Show me everything. Yeah. took me under his wing and, um, was able to, um, kind of mold me and, uh, you know what I'm doing now. And, and, uh, I certainly had some trials and tribulations along the way considering i would stumble through the woods like an idiot and an animal would run out to 70 and i'd shoot it i didn't get to do that with the stick so i had to (laughs) alter my hunting style quite a bit yeah uh i have a funny story about rms actually i went in there uh, i used to live in aurora uh saudi aurora yeah yeah it's uh that's quite the place uh back in 2013 or so 2013 early 2014 and I went in, I had a, I had some type of knife that I was like, I really, I need this like professionally sharpened. So I Googled like knife sharpening and RMS gear popped up and I was like, oh, all right, and they're right down the street. I'll go over there and, uh, went in there. I probably talked to, I I'm pretty sure I talked to one of Tom's sons. I probably talked to Tom too. Uh, and had no, had no clue what that place was. I was like, God, they've got a lot of 
old bows in here. This place is wild. And they sharpened my knife and I was on my way. And I never, never even thought of it. And then when I started looking into trad stuff again, it was like Tom Clum, RMS gear. And then the, you know, the cutthroat was coming out. And I was like, I feel like I've been there before. And then I started looking up like pictures. I was like, I have been there. It's where I took my damn knife to get sharpened. And uh, now I wish I had been more into traditional archery at the time because man that would have been nice to just go down the street and talk to tom but now he's 10 hours away so that sucks yeah um tom is the man rms gear is like heaven for trad guys yeah yeah it, i mean that's like valhalla it truly like, is it, it i is. mean oh I would give anything to go there. There's three to five hundred bows on the wall at one time. Holy they, Lord. They, they do have Sad. compounds there, everything you could need. I was on the website the other day, like just looking for a lighter pound recurve because mine is like 56 pounds or something. It's a little too heavy for right now. Uh, and then I just started trying to look through there, what they have in stock on the website. And I was so lost. I'm like, I don't know what's good. I don't know what's bad. <laughs> just, just come and talk to Tommy. Tommy. Will, yeah. you know, you, whatever you do, don't wrestle with Tommy. Cause he will fuck you up. Like, a yeah, he was a, he was a college, uh, college roster, right? He's 149 and one in high school. He lost one match, um, wrestled in college, wrestled in the Pan Am games. Um, oh, damn. And they, they've got friends that come in, and, and I consider myself to be a fairly tough individual. Mm-hmm. I, they've got friends that I'm like, hey, buddy, do you need a drink? <laughs> you know, like literally just <laughs> super, every one of them are super nice, super polite. But um, Danny, who wrestled as well, Danny's the killer of the group. Danny's shit just tips over when he goes in the woods. He's just one of those guys that's going to get it done. And that's uh, you know, obviously one of the sons. And probably who, other than Tom, has helped me out with the most on a lot of different stuff. I'm sure I drove them crazy because when I get involved in something, there's like no halfway. So I'm in there every day asking questions, shooting, driving them. I'm sure fucking nuts. They're like, God, will this guy go away? But um, <laughs> it uh, it's worked out super well. And I, and I can't, you know, truthfully, I can't thank those guys enough for how much they've helped me. Yeah. Uh, no, they're, uh, uh, they're, they're top notch. All those guys said that I've, called them called them on the phone a couple of times they all seem like like great guys and i would like to mention by the way that i am not watching uh, uh beat the streets on flow wrestling right now uh which is like the, the big uh uh like super matches of the year for uh, uh for freestyle wrestling to record this so uh, it's uh, i i really and i really enjoy college and professional level wrestling if you wrestle at the pan am games you're really good by the way so uh, that's, that's pretty neat. Yeah. Tom, Tom and, and his boys and everyone over at RMS seems like really good guys. So, um, when you, when you got into trad, what was, what was probably the most surprising thing for you? Because I have an answer and I think Blaine probably has an answer too, but I'd like to hear like what the most surprising change was for you when you went to, uh, when you went from a compound to a, to a traditional bow. How hard is it to hit anything um, <laughs> with the first thing? You know, I went from shooting, you know, 300 and if I didn't shoot, you know, if I shot a 58X, I'd have a bad day on a 300 round and, uh, you know, shooting on a 40 target course, you know, 14, 16, 18, 20 up to I hit foam, you know, like <laughs> I hit the animal. It's big eye opener for me. So initially it was it, 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 for me anyway, um, and I had help with all those guys. It was just like, look, I'm an athlete. What the hell's going on here? Like, Jesus, like, 
I can't hit the blue part of the one spot. What the hell is going on? And, and that was like a big eye opener for me where I was like, okay, I'm going to have to buckle down. This shit is going to be difficult. Yeah. Um, you know, that was probably it for me initially. So, uh, thus the name struggle stick. Yeah, indeed. I've gotten more hate for that than anything. Good God. (laughs) So I don't don't understand why people hate that so much. Love the term. You know, man, there's been, we just did a podcast with South where he totally was like, I don't get it either. It's a badge of honor. And I, that's the way I treat it. Like, you know, I don't go to the gym, um, for any other, you know, like I go to the gym, I want to work out, but I go, it's a struggle, right? If it was easy, I, I wouldn't go. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, always do easy things. So this, the struggle stick deal, which believe me, I have had massive battles with some of the older crowd of how, I mean, they'll just straight up tell you I'm horrible for traditional archery. And I'm like, guys, look, I'm bringing thousands of people yeah. in traditional archery. Yeah. Um, I call it a struggle stick because it's funny. And people know it's it's going to be a struggle. If I can grab my wife and get her shooting at 40 yards in a couple hours with a compound, yeah, it's, it's not much not of a struggle. Hard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, and I'm not downplaying compounds. It's, it's difficult to shoot stuff with a compound too, but it is truly something to be proud of if you shoot something with a stick bow. I mean, doe, buck, bull, whatever. Um, I just – and people give me crap now because it obviously hasn't been that much of a struggle. I mean, I've waylaid, I don't know how many different animals. And so, yes, people are like, oh, it's a deadly stick. And this this one dude from, I'm not going to bring it up, has a hard on <laughs> for me. And, you know, what he doesn't understand as he's bashing me is I'm friends with his friends that tell me all the dirty secrets of what, you know, the fact he can't hit a bull in the ass with a bass fiddle. And he's talking about how deadly it is. It's like, dude, it can be deadly. You put the time and effort like anything. It can be deadly, but people need to know they're going to have to put some work into it. It's not going to be handed to them. And I'm not saying a compound is going to be handed to you, but it's certainly going to be easier. Uh, it's no different. You take a bicycle, you run, you take a car. All right. Well, all of them's easier than crawling, mm-hmm. but you know, you know, you running is going to be more different, difficult, probably than a bicycle. Yep. Okay. You take a car. It's good. Okay. Well you crawl in, it's going to suck. Well, with a stick bow, you're kind of crawling and people need to know that it's not that it's not deadly. Of course it's deadly. It's, it can just be difficult. Yeah. Yeah. You're getting, you're still moving, but it's just a little bit slower. (laughs) You you think about it. You know, that crawl is crawling. Yeah, well, you think about it, you got draw stops, you got a peep site, you got a housing, you got arrow rest, tuning isn't an issue, you got all these catching features. With a stick bow, if you, of course, the clicker is the devil too, but I got a clicker now, but you know. Clickers, clickers are everything. They're certainly important for me. It's certainly up to my game. (laughs) I I tried shooting without a clicker. Yeah, I tried shooting without a clicker today, and uh, no, it didn't work out like (laughs) I hoped. Yeah, you about. I'm, I'm I'm putting in an order for like ten extra clickers. Well, dude, call me when you get it, and I'll I'll help you out because there's certainly some tricks of the trade that you know. I went down that rabbit hole, and once you go down that one, you ain't coming back out without right. some black eyes and you know. No, I mean I'm I'm used to shooting clickers, is what I'm saying. You know, I I have them on all my bows. So oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. so. So I, I just found out that I, I really 
can't shoot that well without one. So I can for I'm getting more hunting. If it went down, I think I'd be fine for an arrow or two. If you wanted to shoot a tournament, yeah, not so good. Um, No, I'm good for about five or maybe eight shots, but after that, she starts falling apart quick. Well, that'd be good to watch. We should shoot without a clicker and see who sucks more because it'd be an epic race. Um, <laughs> Tom had me pull it off the other day about gave me target panic. I'm like, dude, I like the clicker, okay? But um, yeah, it- I was I was getting plucks and collapses and all sorts of fun fun stuff. Yeah, and I don't, you know, on hunting, I don't, I don't purposely sometimes draw through the clicker, and that's something Joel Turner, who's kind of a brain doctor on a lot of this stuff. Um, he makes a lot of sense on some of the things he said. We don't agree on everything, but one of the things is too, you need to be um, conscious and, and cognizant of your shot on every shot, meaning, you know, you need to have the control that to let down or, or, uh, or fire or whatever. And, and absolutely, you know, I mentally know like in a tree stand, I may not fire through the clicker if it's walking, right. Uh, you know, and, and I know that um, yep. it's when guys are firing it off, um, and don't have the mental control and, and Joel, that is a good thing. <clears throat> yeah. You know, I've never seen Joel as a coach. Right. Uh, he'd probably give me target panic, um, <laughs> you know, cause of my own mental issues, but that dude can definitely help you if you're struggling, uh, you know, mentally, uh, which is important. You know, sometimes, oh, yeah. sometimes guys are a head case and a form, uh, nightmare. Mm-hmm. Uh, some guys have good form and bad brains. Um, you know, and you got to see a different coach for each one sometimes in the case, you know, Joel is a brain doctor and like Tom Sr. is a, a form guy. You know, he's he's better at um, at that aspect of it. Which one, if you had to like pick one to see first or like what order would you try and tackle that in if you could? If if you're starting out, I'd see, see Tom first. Okay. Um, you, you don't even know that you have brain issues. And a lot of those brain issues, in my opinion, come from bad form. Sure. Yeah, um, yeah. But if you already have a pile of form issues and you need a quick fix, you may want to see Joel first and circle back to Tom. But I think initially, see Tom first, get your mechanics down, and then Joel will help you. You know, the, the guys at the push are great, too. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, I didn't have to go to any of those immersion clinics, thank God. Um I saw Tom and he, he was able to take what I knew, like discipline from shooting a compound and mold that. Right. Um, but um, th- they are, it's a very effective system. And, and we got some flack, you know, there were some guys from, from Australia that were like basically encouraging people to snap shoot for a little while and, you know, oh, how accurate, why don't we ever see your arrows hit? So now, I, of course, me, I'm a smart ass. So I video every arrow <laughs> at 40, 50, and 60 yards like, to show people it does work. Because I wouldn't have had the success I've had without Tom and helping me with different aiming methods and kind of molding me. And, you know, now, um, you know, 35 yards isn't that far of a shot for me. I don't always take that shot, but right. I certainly – you know, I, I fire an arrow every half an hour now. Uh, Randy Cooling is another really good friend of mine who has been yelling at me to shoot less arrows. And so <laughs> I shoot one every half hour. And he's right. I've I've got a group. I'm looking at on the hill. It's raining. My, um, thank God I shot veins today. Um, <laughs> you know, I've got to shoot. I've got a group probably up there. You know, size of a baseball hat. It's at 43 yards is where I got my target right now. Yeah. And, you know, it's that's – I just – don't see that in the older crowd and and some guys would say that's not trad you need to get closer or whatever and you know i'm kind of like what do you have against hitting what you aim right you know like 
I I have. I mean, that's the same argument in the compound scene too. It's like, why you shoot? Why do you shoot a hundred yards? You're never going to shoot an animal that far. It's like, well, maybe not, but I might have to. I need to know that I can. In case you have to put a second arrow in something yeah, or whatever. Or if you're good but enough. I mean, shit, if you, if you that consistently put those... it in the pinwheel at, at 100 yards, and go for it. I don't give a shit. Yeah, that makes 20 nothing. Yeah. You're yeah. like, okay. Um, I, have, I have a slight confession. I kind of wanted to go to trad earlier, but I've always viewed trad people, and this kind of goes back to like what Aaron was saying with like the old guard kind of thing, is like the weird, like old creepy uncle. And there's still, man, there's still a lot of, a lot of trad guys where I'm like, oh, like, it, it, like the way that they portray and the way that they like guard, like the trad community. I'm like, I don't think this is helpful to your cause, but whatever. And that, those are the people that, you know, it's, you know, what, why are you taking shots over 30 yards? Why are you using a clicker? Hell, I got, I got flack for having a damn stabilizer on the front of my ILF rig. And I'm like, I mean, okay, maybe it's not trad, but I'm also using a machined piece of aluminum and and carbon backed limbs. Like, I don't, I don't know how traditional you want me to go. So, I don't know. I, I feel, I feel like there is a bit of a a a, 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 a gatekeeper issue with the trad community that I would encourage people to try and look past if they're interested in it. Ooh. Yeah, I can go on and on all day with. That. I mean, I just helped AE design a trad vein, so I'm definitely going to hell. I think some of these <laughs> those, those but, uh, are you have reinvented. Say those things are going to be yeah. awesome. I'm I'm not yeah, even mad. No, I think a lot of guys are going to be stoked to get their hands on those. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's that's a game changer. I think for guys like you that deal with. I mean, I've lived in that godforsaken state you call home, and <laughs> you deal with some shit weather, right? So do you, you know, oh, Gary, man, you're in the bad. same boat. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could fart and hear it hit the ground. Like, fucking yep. horrible, right? And, <laughs> I, you know, there's times, though, when it's wet snow and your your feathers get matted down. And, I mean, here here's oh, the, sure. the thing for me. I, I don't have a lot of money. I was really super poor, and Kafaro was yep. paying for a lot of these hunts. And right. so... You, you know, I, I have to capitalize on these mm-hmm. hunts. you got to get it done. Mm-hmm. There's a lot on the, on the line. Yeah, my window is running out because I certainly can't afford these. And so you put me um, on a, like I got a, well, I drew a goat tag this year too, but I, I, I got a goat hunt in Alaska mm-hmm. and everybody has told me, do not bring feathers, Aaron, do not do it. And so, and I had some issues on a grizzly hunt, a few other ones with the feathers. And so I got a hold of, of Greg at AAE and he and I went to work and it was to solve a problem. Well, here's what's funny is, is you know, I started thinking about it. Paul Schaefer, who's a legend in the traditional archery community, mm-hmm. shot five inch veins long yeah. before, you know, Snyder ago. was ever. Yeah, exactly. And that dude's right. a beast. And then Randy Cooling. Yeah. Yeah, he shoots you know, he shoots freaking blazers, doesn't he? No, but they're not. They're I mean, he's different. Sh- yeah, but they're same principle. Well, he's actually yeah. shooting these low profile, uh, whatever bait techs now. But okay, um, the the thing is, is um, you guys ever listen to the like Fred Bear's stories? His uh, oh field yeah, notes? Mm-hmm. field notes. Yep. Okay, so listen to a few, and he's like, I shot it at forty, low. Shot it at sixty, low. Shot it at 70, hit it in the leg. It must have hit the femoral artery, and we found it and ate it that night. Nothing is said about that. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, I shoot a doe at 43 and a buck at 40, and I'm the fucking antichrist. <laughs> and I'm like, well, yeah, what about but, and yet you Uncle pin me Fred? Yeah. It's like, yeah. guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I get a kick out of it, but uh, it is what it is. I mean, and the reality is, is the older crowd is kind of um, – and I have a lot of respect for the older crowd. You know, I may make fun from time to time, but you know, the thing they need to realize is the numbers are really small and they're strength in numbers. And because of you guys and, and what I'm doing and the clums and the push and Joel, uh, stick bow chronicles, those numbers in traditional archery are growing. Yeah. And you, you need that to have any validity. And so I've gotten into arguments where they're talking about trad only seasons or, well, it doesn't really matter if you don't have a voice and a voice is in numbers and those numbers only grow if you're inviting. And if you're an asshole, you're not very inviting. Not that I can't be an asshole. I've, I've, I've got a PhD in it, but the, <laughs> I, you know, I, I 100% try to invite as many people to see what I didn't see for so long in traditional archery. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great answer. So it's, it's important to me that people understand like, you know, it, there's something about that arrow flying through the air and going through an animal in slow motion. Cause it's flying so fucking slow. <laughs> it is in slow motion. And then watching it go through the animal, it's, it's, uh, it's very rewarding. Um, right. it's primal and, uh, in a, in it, it's, it's addicting. Proud of. It is definitely addicting. Yeah. I, yeah. I can I th- go ahead. Blake. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, Aaron, um, to be honest, you know, I've only been at this, what, almost, 20 months now and i have to say that you were probably one of the three or four people that got me into this when you shot the elk that first year that was like okay yeah i gotta do this i mean that elk that first elk was pretty freaking epic just how you guys uh you and brian you know oh that was crazy how that how that whole thing went out you know played out it was insane I don't know if yeah, I've seen that you know, and well, the short version was we were running out of time, and I shot it on the last morning at I don't know eight, ten, twelve yards. Yeah, and uh, and I don't know how many out got shot before that, but probably fifteen or twenty on opening day or or the second day, right? Like a pile, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it was one of those things where uh, you know, when Blaine saw it, like I literally. Uh, you know, and I'm pretty candid, like in my mind, I'm like, this is, I'm not going to get an elk this year. Like it was, yeah, you're grinding it out, grinding it out for sure. Well, and the thing people ask about, um, you know, how, to, how are you, and you guys have hunted long enough and how are you successful? How do you stay mentally, via bo- uh, mentally prepped? And, and I'm not the best motivational speaker. I'm not Donnie Benson. I'm like, don't be a pussy, <laughs> suck it up, butch up. And stay out there. Yeah, just keep, just, yeah. yeah, just keep going. <laughs> just keep going. And it's like, um, you're, you're. NFQ. You know, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. It's like, <laughs> how are you successful? Yeah. I do not quit. I just yep. keep going. And it's not to say I don't get cold and tired. Freak. I hate the cold. I hate the rain even more. <laughs> but, you know, if you stick it out, I might've pushed it a little too far on my mule deer hunt uh, in 18. That might've been a little too overboard i pissed blood and everything else but um <laughs> if you another, that put, was another not to interrupt but that was another epic you know storytelling i would call it oh, i looked like i came out of a freaking concentration camp. it was oh. bad man you're looking pretty rugged <laughs> oh. yeah, it looked like you came out of freaking nazi germany it was, it was pretty bad 
it was it was one of those things though but when i finally got that deer oh you know yeah. it's the most rewarding one of the most rewarding feelings of my life and i want my kid to know hey you came for me and you've got this in you you can do whatever yeah. you put your mind to yeah. um right. and, and that's i mean whatever you're doing in life yeah how many how many days did that take you to kill that mule deer that was a long Back. long uh two trips right yeah um Man, I mean, maybe uh, eleven or twelve, eleven, yeah. maybe ten or eleven in the fields of hunting, yeah. and and we were there a day and a half, two days early, and then yeah. honestly, we probably would have stayed, but I had some crazy infection going on. My hands looked like Deadpool's face from some weed. Oh shit! And uh, <laughs> yeah, they swelled up huge, and they're all sc- they're still scarred up from whatever the hell I got into. Uh, um, it was a cow parsnip, is what it's called, but um, oh. I didn't even know you could get it, but. Um, we came down and stayed home for a day and hiked back in and thank God killed one on the next day after we got back in there. But that was a uh, big, heavy old buck. Yeah, it was. And I mean, honestly, the buck I've been trying to kill was below it. And that was a time right. where 40 some yards was a little too far on the 50 degree slope. I don't oh, even saw that video, man. It was steeper <laughs> in the back of Christ's head. It oh, was yeah. steep in that, that area. Oh God. I just looked up a picture of, uh, cow parsnip uh reactions oh my lord that's gross yeah my hands look like that dude i went through 10 days of oh shit. My lord that looks awful i'm so sorry yeah. <laughs> yeah it wasn't wasn't oh i got to the doctor they looked like i had fucking syphilis on my hand they're like ah they didn't know what yeah. it was i'm like look my buddy in alaska said it's car cow parsnip can you google that shit and get me some cream or something like this is painful <laughs> yeah, yeah I've, I've had a couple of really bad reactions to uh poison ivy and i never really had it oh, I never really had it when i was younger uh um but and the worst reactions i've got have just been like trying to do stuff like around the back of my house i'm like trying to cut down stuff i'm like oh i, I think it i think it was actually uh uh poison sumac and uh, cut some down. My entire arm was just like covered, and I had to go get a bunch of meds oh, and man. stuff. It sucked. I look at anything poison ivy, poison oak, whatever, and I I get it. It's yeah, bad for yeah. me. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I worked landscaping for a summer and got poison ivy five times in about three months, and I got the steroid shot every time to get rid of it. And you're only allowed to have five of those in a year. I don't get poison ivy anymore. It's kind of nice. I don't get poison ivy, poison oak. I was in poison oak all weekend, and I know nothing whatsoever. I can can look at it, and I get it. I'm like, Blaine, I get that shit all over. When I'm down in, you want to talk about somebody looks like a pussy in a tree stand. Man, I go up in a lone wolf. I am ducking and dodging anything green when i climb up in alabama <laughs> i'm like that's everywhere out oh, yeah. don't lean up against the trees oh yeah. Uh, yeah well i got it on my hang down like right on the <laughs> left and right side because my hands get cold mm-hmm. so i oh, put yeah. them on my oh. left and right side which is right in the armpit of your legs or whatever so i yep. had it straight down both sides and i'm like oh, this is <laughs> cool that's yeah i've had that happen <laughs> once too not very yeah. fun so when uh, uh, when you started, uh, well, I guess what's your aiming method now, and what were you using when you started? I'm curious if uh, any conversations with Tom uh, changed anything that you were doing before. Not too 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 much. I mean, skip the first four weeks because I didn't know my ass went home ground anyway. <laughs> That's but, fair. Um, <laughs> like once I got going, um, I shot 
instinctually a bit. And then I learned pretty quick what my point on was and Tom kind of taught me that. And then I really got to the point where, oh, out to, you know, 28, 30, 32, roughly. Um, and I can judge yardage from shooting tournaments for so long mm-hmm. pretty well. Um, I would use instinctive. And then from, let's just say 30 on to 40, 42, 45, whatever, I would use my point. Now it's just become more refined. I can use my point from zero on out. Um, but I can grip it and rip it and shoot instinctually a lot better than I could, but I can also use, uh, my point as an aiming reference. Now there's some, some catch-alls there's some, in fact, we're going to do a seminar in Kalamazoo next year. And Tom and I, that's one of the subjects where my first day in the high country, um, and I don't blame if you remember this, I, mm-hmm. I dropped in from like 13 down on this, a good buck, um, you know, 170 class buck. Yeah. Um, made epic stock, right? I'm like in the bag, right? Like Ninja Southcox, Larry D. Jones, this fucker's going to die today. <clears throat> it stands up, shifts left. I draw and go to grip it and rip it. When I say that meaning hit the clicker and fire instinctually. Mm-hmm. And like an idiot, I look down to confirm where my point should be at that distance. And because of the rolling hills, I'm six feet or whatever it was in the dirt. And uh, I think subconsciously I probably aimed higher um, at that point. And I shot over its back and then I cried like a bitch and it ran out of my bed forever. <laughs> um, but that's kind of one of those things where maybe grip it, rip it might be a little bit better. But, you know, you take my, my, that big buck I shot in Alberta in 16, you know, I got to 40 and I kind of ran out of real estate and 40 is my point on. Most people aren't going to effectively shoot 40 um, consistently over and over and right. over instinctually. Uh, maybe some can, but most can't. And so that I just put my, my, you know, point on it and, and fired and, and ended up killing a, you know, 180 inch mule deer or whatever it's called. That was a good mule deer. Um, what, it, what, so is yeah, your, I mean, what is your point on distance? I'm curious. 40. Um, I try to keep it 38 to 40. In fact, uh, you know, you're talking about FOC, uh, before I was shooting 225 up front mm-hmm. and, um, trying to go higher because uh, I'm a I'm a I'm a tester, right? Like um, like a scientist, right? You you, you design something, you got to test it. So I'm always shot like on a compound 175 generally up front, which isn't really very high FOC, but yeah, higher it's than a high, higher than a lot of other people, man. That's higher than probably 90 percent of people. In Britain, I talked at at Valkyrie um, a in 2016 and he's like well you're already shooting high foc and i'm like well higher you know i always shot but it's probably ended up 13 to 15 percent foc Mm -hmm. and so i don't know what i was at with 225 up front but i'm I'm assuming 16 to 18 Mm percent um and i thought well i'm gonna give this a try so i cut my arrows as short as they i could get them which is short short like 29 and a half and i loaded up i cut two inches off and loaded 300 grains on the front to get my FOC, I think I'm at 23.8 maybe Mm -hmm. right now, something like that. And, uh, and honestly, I don't see any difference. Um, (laughs) to be sure. I don't, I don't know that it matters that much that, that, that 18 to 24, but, um, both work well. I don't think so either, but I, I, I mean, you know, we're like you say, we're kind of picking fly shit out of Chile at that point to a, to a degree. Um, I think you get, you know, that, say 18 to 23 24 probably not going to notice a difference 
you know, I mean, you're going to notice a difference if it's below that, you know, say you're going from 12% to 20%, you're going to notice, but 18 to 23, eh, probably not so much. Well, and here is, is something, I mean, if we shift to FOC that I think people where they need to realize a compound bow is so effective, um, you can get away with lower FOC, but still mm-hmm. high FOC, meaning mm-hmm. I don't think with a compound you need to go total full-on Ashby because it's just not needed for North American big game. And so I think catering to a heavier arrow, heavy point weight, you know, whether you believe in light arrows, crazy heavy point weight, or however you, you know, concoct your system, you, you want to have a, a heavy arrow with good momentum, with decent speed. And I think you'll be fine in comparison to the days of when I was, you know, in the late 90s, 2000s, shooting a Beeman 400 with 75 grain yep. tip and a 13 grain insert. Um, you know, you wound a couple animals that way you should have killed. That'll that's a big coming to Jesus meeting. That's how I switched and went to shooting 80 pounds and, you know, a 500 and some grain arrow with 175 up front, you know, 50 grain brass insert Mm -hmm. and a 125 grain point. Mm -hmm. When I, when I went to the stick, what it seems to me is you should be in a compound 13 to 15 at a minimum. That's like the beginning of your wheelhouse. I don't think you should ever go below 13 uh, ish, you know, now is what I kind of what I've come up with. Anything above that um, probably won't hurt, but I don't know that it's going to help until you make this significant jump. I think what Blaine said is exactly right. Somewhere between 18 to 22, 24% with a stick bow is your, your happy home wheelhouse before it's going to take a lot to take a significant jump there. I don't think you're going to see a big difference between 18 to 24 unless yeah. you go super crazy. Probably and, not. Probably not. Well, I can tell you, and I mean, well, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm agreeing with like, I, you probably won't see a huge difference. So I, I, I agree. I, well, I guess what I'm saying, I don't know how you'd quantify it. Right. That's the problem. How, is, yeah. How do you, how do you quantify that? I don't think. Well, it's possible. I, I think what, uh, and maybe, maybe we just need to do a better job communicating when I say we, that, well, us too, probably, but just the, the community, I guess, that is more into higher front of center arrows is you, you a hundred percent cannot throw out arrow flight. Like a, an arrow that's flying well at prob- hell, probably 12 to 15%, probably live lower than that, as long as you want to go, that's that's flying well with lower FOC is going to penetrate monumentally better than a uh, 28% FOC arrow. Uh, so if you, if you can't get the thing flying right, then that's everything's out the window because you being able to hit that target and your, uh, uh, your arrow being uh, linear as it enters it and not all cockeyed and going all over the place is going to be uh, very, very important. Uh, but in just bumping up front of center to like, uh, like what you said, Aaron into that, like 12 to 15%, 13, 15%, like for compound guys, it makes tuning bows and arrows so much easier and that's the constant, constant thing I see all the time is I can't get this broadhead to fly right. Can't get it to fly right. Well, if you like, even if your spine can handle it, like toss in a heavier insert, front of center changes, you get, you know, a shorter forward lever arm and that broadhead can't plane as much. And that's the, the those are, those are things that you'll run into, uh, that, uh, I found as I progressively went heavier arrows and higher front of center uh, and hell, I don't even know if I've had an arrow over 25%. I think, 
I think my shooting uh, a compound, uh, it would be difficult to do. Oh, it's super difficult. I think my compound error right now is like 18 or 19. And I, th- I think my, my heaviest FOC trad arrow that's for North American game. I'm not, I won't count, count my like thousand grain arrow that I've kind of messed around with, but is like 23%. And that's plenty. And that's with like 370 grains on the front, which is more than what 99% of people will ever run. Uh, so I, I think on my end where it happens is like I did a podcast with Dudley and I was a hundred percent. I just said, I've never checked my FOC. I've killed tons of animals with a compound. And I think around 13% is where I've been, um, you know, doing some deductive reasoning and inference. It's yeah. Somewhere in the 13 to 15, I think Dudley said the same thing, basically 175 up front, somewhere yeah. in that general neighborhood. And I agree with that. That's pretty good for a compound guy. It's a happy medium. Um, and you know, with a stick bow and I make fun of FOC all the time in the sense of, I don't make fun of FOC. I make fun of the people freaking out over FOC. Cause it's like, guys, most of you haven't killed anything anyway. Right. And it's not that there's anything wrong. I mean, you can't get to hunt as much in my case as, as me. I mean, that's just my, I get to hunt a lot and yeah. of course I'm going to shoot more. But what I'm saying is maybe you should work on shooting and animal behavior fitness and just get a decent arrow set up because arrow flight to me is is king oh yeah that is absolutely you know that's the big one yeah and i think we talked about it hunting whitetails in oklahoma the penetration i got at close distances was pretty amazing because generally your penetration can suck close up because your arrow still hasn't hasn't recovered yet yeah and so um i think that that, uh, you know, if I was trying to make a statement right now where everybody would understand where I'm coming from, focus on a, a good heavy arrow, good heavy point weight, find a happy medium in your system, but make sure it flies well and make sure you hit what you're aiming at. So mm-hmm. stop doing mathematical algorithms on FOC and get your ass out there and practice. Exactly. And, and find yes. a good system. Test, yeah. test yeah. some stuff. I think, Play around with yeah. some stuff and find out what works. I think that's the main thing too is like I see it a lot is like, you know, guys are like, I want the perfect build. It's like, well, you're not going to find the perfect build. There is no perfect build. It's just whatever you're competent in. And like, you know, I shoot pretty high FOC or I have the last few years because I run the Valkyrie stuff, but I'm not super fond of the X impact shaft just because I don't think it's as durable as it could be. And I don't want to get screwed on a shaft snapping on me on if I hit something I shouldn't have, so I'm going to go down an FOC, but stay around the same weight this year just yep. so I can run a more and durable shaft. I bet you'll see zero difference. And when I oh, see yeah, it, I, I, I put don't... a lot of freaking arrows through animals. Yeah. And I didn't want to be that guy that I was making fun of that said no and never tested it. And my, of course, has come from a guy that owns part of an arrow company now that sells heavy arrows, but my opinion is high FOC with a good evenly weighted arrow or decent FOC. Right. I do not like brittle arrows and they have fucked me more than once to an oh, anger. Absolutely. Yep. Like, um, so I like an arrow that's not going to break. <laughs> that's, so if I lose 3% FOC and grain 30% in durability. Yeah. Whoopty shit. Yeah. I don't not, care. Yeah. Not even a, not even question, not even a question. And, uh, and, that's why I jumped on the, the, the bandwagon with, with, uh, you know, my buddy on, on the arrows was when I started shooting those, 
as much animals as I'd shot, I didn't break. Well, I've broken a couple arrows, but I mean, overall, you know, testing, I'm firing into bricks, firing into dirt, trying to break these things. And I'm like, Oh my God, I love these. And so it's easy when you believe in something to obviously promote it. Um, And I fired, I'm not going to mention names, but I've shot, well, Blaine knows every freaking arrow literally known to man. Yeah. You I had one blow up on stuff a, too. Oh Jesus. I had one blow up on a 370 bull in Montana coming out of my bow. Um, oh. I had blow one coming break. out of your bow. Oh, it's on film. Dude. I about shit my knickers. <laughs> Give me shot. Went oh, to God. grab the second arrow out broke coming out of the quiver and I had fallen earlier, but a fall, if a fall breaks your arrow and you're not broken, yeah. yeah if it's that big of a fall, your ass needs to be broken too. If your arrow's not, not intact, you need a tougher arrow. Do you, I, literally, it ended my, I never talked about that arrow company again and never shot that arrow again. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those things where I literally was like, that was a bull of a lifetime at 18 yards. And that arrow just screwed me. I'm like, this is just not acceptable. And so, you know, that def <laughs> anyway, um, it, it was one of those deals where um, I thought, okay, I am never, because it was an arrow I was promoting, you know, or arrow mm-hmm. company. And, and I'm not bashing the arrow company now in the sense of, of that. I'm just saying that that specific setup, why I was using it, didn't make as much sense looking back now where I should have been running something different. So. Right. Yeah. I haven't um, been screwed over yet, but that's like, I don't want to be, I don't want that situation to happen. That's why like last year I shot a mule deer and it was just a small fork and horn, but it was laying by a road that was nearby. So I went after it, but I shot it in my arrow like pass through, but it broke either when it, I don't know if it broke when it hit the ground or if it broke on the way through, but the whole arrow was outside of the, like it passed through, I think, but the, it, I had my arrows crested and it broke right at the end of the crest. And I don't have any idea why it would have broken right there. That's an odd spot. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, I flex test my arrows every time before I go out just to make sure I've not got anything cracked or whatever. But yeah, that was, that's one of the reasons why I'm like, well, if that would have snapped coming out of my bow, I'd have a Valkyrie through my arm and be dead right here. So that's probably not good. Oh yeah. And I mean, I'm a, I mean, we make, you know, components that, um, um, uh, well, there's some controversy. Actually, I got a kick. I actually had to talk to the dude from Methics. What's the big, bigger dude name? Bruce. Uh, Brit, what is it? Bruce. Bruce. Yeah. Is he the big, big dude with the beard? Yeah, that's yeah. Bruce. Yeah, talks forever. He could have talked Bin Laden out of hiding, I think. Um, <laughs> he, um, you know, we 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 made oh, a a, <laughs> a system where you you screw the outsert into the half out um, for yep. consistency. But you know, we're not into the component making business. We just needed a good component to go on our system. In fact, I hate when people ask if they'd fit on other arrows because I don't want to figure out what the OD and ID are, right? right. Eth- right. Ethics Archery makes unbelievable products. And so I had to call Bruce and talk to him like, dude, don't make me your fucking enemy, brother. Like, <laughs> I like your system. Like, right. don't piss me off, man. Like, I'm selling your system for you because there's a lot of pie in the sky. You know what I mean? There's a lot of different options. Oh, yeah. And I am a firm believer in good companies. I, I like Valkyrie. 
Brent's awesome. He makes an unbelievable system. Yeah, I like ethics. Dude. Oh yeah, that's another dude that you better hold on to the phone if he starts talking. Oh yeah, to that dude. I've <laughs> talked to that yeah. guy for like four hours straight. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he's, so, he's good to talk to though. Love Brent's to Brent's to awesome. Valkyrie makes a great system. I mean, he pioneered the center pin. In yeah. fact, he got pissed off at us because uh, Brian was using that term and. We just yeah. stopped using because we don't have a center pin. Brent's got it, right? right? We just have a half out with a freaking outsert that screws on just for – we wanted a ball-bearing – when I say ball-bearing, military-proof, like dumb shit-proof system. Mm-hmm. And so you screw it on and glue it in, and there's so much glue on everything, it shouldn't fail, right? Like that's what we wanted. Right. But, you know, like with ethics, you know, they make multiple different components for multiple different systems. And I don't know about the spinning insert. I haven't tested that enough. Yeah. But as far as their standard nah. inserts, nah. yeah, I mean, I don't want to. Yeah, that's all I have to say I, about that. I, I don't want to have another phone call from Bruce where he pissed <laughs> off, right? But um, I just think that people need to focus on whether it's a day six system in our components, whether it's a Valkyrie, right. you need to have a durable. And I don't mean just arrow. From the front to the back. Yeah. And I've had broadhead. Oh, yeah. I've, everything. Dude, I, that gold tip chaos. I lost a five by six bull when they first came out because that stupid piece of shit half out snap. Now mm-hmm. I aim at the shoulder. Okay. Right. Like I'll be the first guy to say I aim in the golden triangle catering to where most people wouldn't, but I shoot 85, 90 pounds and mm-hmm. I shoot a 550, 600 grain air. It should not stop it. Well, the freaking half out broke my fucking arrow fell on the ground. And I'm like, unless I just imagine shit, that is a pinwheel. What yeah. the fuck just happened? Like, yeah. okay. So we followed it and sure. I hit it right where just an inch inside of the golden triangle. So I caught some meat. Yeah. But what I think happened is the bull, when I hit it was already just moving and that friction of the meat, you know, the, the, the tissue moving mm-hmm. snapped that in half. And then, you know, and I'm not going to go on a bash fest of issues I've had, but the moral of this story <laughs> had, is have I've good had much shit of the up front. same issues. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I and I think all of us here would agree to that, and that's why we're. I mean, uh, I think well, hell, I think all of us run different systems at this point. Maybe, maybe Blaine and I run both run Valkyrie, but yeah, yeah. well, kind but of. Also Blaine's, run, Blaine's yeah, I run some other stuff, stuff too, but yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm probably. Always, I'm always tinkering, so yeah, we're and yeah. we're. I mean, you know, we have brands that we like, but we're fairly like arrow and broadhead agnostic, I guess you could say. Like whatever, as long as it's good, and that's kind of like the whole reason why we, you know, we dove into this. We're like, there's all these good companies are popping up that uh, that we that we want to give a voice, and you know, uh, that I, you know, I think, and I, I think Faro Cast has done like a really, really good job of that as well, and having. Uh, having people on to talk about, uh, you know, what they're offering. And uh, uh, I, I I think day six is right there with it. And you just released a, a new broadhead. Um, one thing I, I know you, you said you didn't want to turn this into a promoting brands podcast, but I'm, I'm going to ask you, uh, um, tell us about using S30 V. Uh, I, I know I'm, I'm popping this on yet and I'm not, I didn't give you any warning, but now that we're here, uh, tell us about using S30 V for a, uh, uh, for a broadhead steel because S30 is a great steel for uh, for knives and there just isn't I haven't seen I think they're Hunor or whatever that like Bulgarian or I don't know they're somewhere over in Europe uh, uh, has, an, has an S30V 
Boy, Solid uh, Broadheads uses S30V as well. Oh, oh yeah, they do. They do. They do. That's right. Uh, but it's not super common. So I just want to, I mean, but you're doing it. And I'm, I'm assuming you've already, you've tested it and I'm, and it did well. So well, you know why it's not common? It's expensive. If you skip what, uh, yes. So you get, see, this is why I didn't want to turn on a sales pitch podcast because there's other Broadhead companies, which I like saying a different metal is better. No, the other metal is freaking half the price. It's cheaper. S30V right. is expensive as shit. I encourage anyone listening to this, don't listen to me. Use Google. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Look you get on, get on knife making <laughs> forums and these guys will rip steels in half. Like, I mean, yeah. what you would think is like a quality broadhead steel would be like, nope, it sucks. And here's all the reasons why. Uh, uh, but yeah, sorry, sorry. Continue. No, no, no. It's just S30V when Brian and I started this. We knew we had Valkyrie, which I'm a big believer in Valkyrie. We knew we had Iron Will. I like Iron Will, so we had cutthroats. And I said, look, if we build this broadhead, I want it to be exactly what I want and what you want. And he said, okay, what do you want? And I said, I want a titanium ferrule. I don't want aluminum for 100 grain. And I want a solid blade because I don't want any whistling. He's like, done deal. We can do that. And I was like, okay, I want interchangeable blades. I want guys... We can't do it on 100 grains, but on 125s, I want them to be able to run inch and a quarter, inch and three-eighths wide, mm-hmm. or inch and a sixteenth. And uh, I said, I want to be able to – we have a trad head coming out too. And I said, I want S30V. I want the bleeder blade forward. I don't want it back because I want it to cut a wound channel for the ferrule to go through. Yep. I don't want a steep angle on the bleeder. I want it to be more calm. Nice swept back, yeah. Swept back. And I, you know, and I went over all this, and he's like, fuck it, let's do it. Well, and, and guys have said, hey, that looks like an iron will or a solid. Hmm. Well, yeah, those are good broadheads. Yeah, right. of course right. it looks like those. I'm like, it's Jesus a design. Christ. <laughs> I, I didn't it's want a, a tanto design. point because they're hard to sharpen. So yeah, I didn't they, want that. Yeah, they can be hard to sharpen for sure. And I wanted to be able to, I'm a backpack hunter and I sometimes go on killing sprees. I don't, I'm not a guy that's going to sharpen stuff in the field. So if all four of us went on a backpack hunt and we have extra replaceable blades and we're running our system, the idea was, is I've got all these sharp blades. All we got to do is pop the old one out and the new one in because we're running tempered stainless on the steel, tempered stainless steel on the ferrules or titanium. Mm -hmm. Um, Pretty much indestructible, not totally, but close. And so you're not sharpening, you're just grabbing a blade and popping a new one in. So by design, you know, it's built for a backpack hunter that's hunting multiple species, a traveling hunter, because you can run inch and a 16th or inch and a quarter. So, you you know, if you want to run a penetrator, you run the narrower one. You want to run a, a wider hole, you run the wide one. Um, that's where all that came from. As far as S30V, you know what? I, I get a kick out of. And again, I've got a metal specialist coming in to talk about it because I don't want to be the guy. I don't want you to have to believe me. I own part of the company. <laughs> believe right. the experts. Okay. Yeah, like yeah. we have one of the most, um, what would you call it? Uh, qualified. An expert. Yeah. Most qualified metal experts to come on and, and talk about it. And it's not going to be a, a, a day six sales pitch. I want people to understand how metal works. Sure. Right? Yeah. Okay. I, you know, and because for me, it's all informational, right? Yeah. I want people to understand. Which I, I'm looking forward to that podcasting because I don't know jack squat about. I mean, I know a little yeah, bit, but I'm not, I'm not very knowledgeable well, with steel either, to be honest. You know, there's a lot well, of crawling. Well, you and I are, boat, then. 
construction yep. workers. All we know is how to fucking nail in exactly the screws, right? So <laughs> yep, exactly. I know how to I, frame shit. I, I just knew how to. I, I knew S30V was my favorite blade if I had to go buy one mm-hmm. for because it held an edge well, but I could resharpen it yep. relatively well and it didn't rust. Absolutely. Um, you get into like D2 and A2, they rust and they're hard to sharpen. Now, there's an the argument of this this will go through four animals before it dulls. This will go through two. All right, well, there's an argument there. Yeah, but <laughs> I'm not worried it. about the second animal. Right. I'm worried about the first. Yeah. And I, I'm worried about rust. I fucking hate pulling out a $120 set of three that are rusty. It bugs me. Like when I pull them out of the quiver, I want one that doesn't rust. Mm-hmm. And when I say that, meaning... I don't want to coat a bunch of shit on it to yeah, make it. Don't put rust. Teflon on it and all that stuff. Yeah. So that's, and this is just my, this is what I wanted. That doesn't mean it's right for everyone. And that's the thing guys are like, well, I really like this. Well, I'm like, well, then keep shooting it. Yeah. Nobody's got to your head. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and again, we're in a market right now where, you know, my main ones, I shot a lot of um, Grizzlies sticks or Silver Flames, which, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not, overly excited about those um but i'm not a big fan of 440c and i'm definitely not a fan of aluminum ferrules and i'll just leave it at that but i am a fan iron wheel valkyrie cutthroats there's other broadheads that are great we just wanted one that was designed for what we liked in hopes that other people would like it Mm -hmm. as well yeah oh it looks it looks like a guy that's looks like a solid guy that's not yeah from a guy that's not great at sharpening and kind of lazy sometimes when it comes hunting season um, i'm glad that it will be easy to just buy extra blades and it's like and it's I'm gonna a, save the dull ones for turkeys yeah <laughs> it's a it's a well-built broadhead already with a replaceable blade which is usually like that's my big hang up on anything with a replaceable blade usually they're super thin and pieces of shit so i'm not going to shoot that anyways yeah, I concur with that. Um, and that's, again, I just, uh, I'm excited about it. And if no one buys it, I'm excited about it because I want it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, yeah, exactly. And, and and we have a trad head coming out. That's, um, I'm excited for that. Tell, anyway. us, tell us about it. Tell us about it. It's just, it's same, same, same basic. Thing. It's just a longer blade with a steeper angle for penetration. Nice. Um, I'm excited for that. You one. can run an inch and a quarter or an inch and a sixteenth on those. And what's great about those is you can run either width. So in the field, you could switch, um, which I like. Not that you need to switch in the field, but I certainly run an Alabama whitetails. I'm shooting the whitest, nastiest thing I can find because they're cracked heads, crackheads. (laughs) But, you know, I go and and hunt something where I might need more penetration, whether it be an elk or, um, or, you know, a moose or whatever. Right. I'm probably going to run a little bit smaller cutting diameter. Now I don't have to worry about penetration too much with my system, but my wife, I might have her shoot a little bit narrower cutting diameter. Right. She does, she's not pumping out the ass behind it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a good point. And that's, that's handy to be able to, to switch stuff like that, especially if you're in the field on a, on a long trek. And I mean, hell you, you never know what happens. I mean, if you take a, you know, a bad fall and your quiver breaks and, blades are bent or uh, nicked or something whatever if you got those replaceable blades in your in your in your pack then that'd be that would be helpful to be able to swap out um 
Yeah. Uh, I know we talked about it a little bit with the, well, I mean, you talked about it more than a little bit, I guess, uh, with the AAE uh, trad veins. What specs are those going to be available in? Because those have my name all over them, if I can get a yeah, hold of some. Um, two, two and three quarters, uh, four inch and five inch. Ooh, nice. Ooh. What are the, and what are the heights on them, by the way? Just curious. It's low profile. They're all the same. Yep. It's low profile. And you had to ask me that. So I'd need to go measure it. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> I forgot. No. But I, I did. Did you, Blaine, did you, or any of you guys, did you get to see some of the Aeroflight videos I posted? Yeah. Them? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Money. Yeah. Absolutely money. It, it, Just yeah, and, no uh, difference in feathers. It didn't seem like at all. N- no. Not and, really. And I mean, I didn't. I think the the veins fly better. Yeah. Um, they very well, you know, and, and, and and there may be some bump initially if there is that we can't pick it up and, you know, slow, I mean, Mm -hmm. a pretty state of the art camera gear. I I think we would pick it up if you did. Mm -hmm. But, um, I think that, um, you know, there's been a couple feather companies not overly thrilled with me about this. And it's like, (laughs) Hey, if guys want to shoot feathers and shoot veins for specific hunts, this fixes a problem Which, where they don't have to modify anything. Exactly. It hits the same spot. And that's kind of my In, plan. You know, I'll run the trad veins. I'll have probably, you know, my five arrow cell way. I'll have three with uh, feathers and two with trad veins. You know, that's my, when you'd my be, plan. You'd be stupid not to. Right. Exactly. Like, it's, it's, uh, it, this has never been done, you know, to, sh- to be able to shoot a vein, you know, for the most part, you know, it's, it's tough to get a, vein to fly accurately off the shelf it's almost impossible yeah and i was just excited like again it's kind of like the broadhead is it going to be for everyone no but we hope that people see what we saw in it to to come out with it because i'm certainly cannot coming out with it for my fucking health to deal with peckerwoods (laughs) on the internet you know like (laughs) the idea obviously is to solve a problem that may be or, or fill a niche that may be missing you know, for the outdoor industry or the hunting industry. And, 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 and Garrett, you're in Oregon. Um, yeah. you're a prime example. Would you want to go hunt the coastal range with feathers on a uh, once in a lifetime tag? Absolutely not. Uh, I actually had feathers on my first year really hunting elk here. I had feathers cause I went like super full retard on FOC and went with, I had razors on my feathers and then like two weeks into the season, it was going to be nothing but rain for the whole week. And I was in Eastern Oregon still, but I had to strip my, I just spazzed out, stripped my arrows down, put veins on and never went back just because I'm like, I'm not going to get out there and this is going to go south real quick. I'm just not going to do it. And yeah. yeah, And I'm like, I'm getting more and more familiar with the West side now. So yeah, there's no way that I would be caught in the fall with feathers on my arrows. There's just not, I'm not going to do it. No, I mean, well, you know, Tyler, you can run a fletching cover and whatnot, but man, it's just such a pain. And I mean, a, that's a pain. I, yeah. I do have a nicer one. I had uh native textiles make me one. I think uh, it rains, but I mean, so much on the coast range though. And like even you're here, not going to be dry. Even here in October, it rains, you know, three out of seven days a week, you know, for a month yeah it rains like seven out of seven yeah. days once yeah. it hits september oh, I've, here I've, I know a few <laughs> it's just days. all rain 
September in Oregon, if I owned Texas or if I owned hell in Oregon, I'd probably rent out Oregon and live in hell. Fuck, I hate that. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's just no nothing fun about rain. Even I mean, you can wear the best rain gear out there, and it still just still sucks. Still get wet. Yeah. yeah. So what? Uh, sorry, go ahead, Aaron. No, no, go ahead. I was going to ask you what size, uh, uh, what size of their feathers, or well, no, they're not feathers, they're veins. Uh, what size of those veins do you think you're going to run, or are you currently running on your setup? I'll, I'll run five inch. Um, Man, you I, like those big ones, don't you? That's what yeah, she said. yeah, no kidding. I so here's the thing with the the the, the short. I could run fours; they group fine. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. might be able to run two and three quarters. Um, well, let's. I'll just pose the question: Why do you shoot short veins? Or not you, but why would you? Any whatever, all of you guys. Why would you shoot short veins? Yeah, uh, the the benefit would be a little bit more FOC, and it's going to be like, I mean, minuscule, maybe one to one uh, percent bump, maybe from switching to from a heavier. I say heavier. I don't even know what what is a typical five inch vein or a, a feather run like mm. six seven grains maybe and I, I think these were a grain heavier than a feather but yeah like four yeah. and a half to six something like sure that. as opposed to like a you know a 1.2 grain razor so you may may get a small benefit there uh i guess for if you're a compound guy i could make the argument that if you start shooting further distances you can if you have a big uh a really big vein on there you could run into some, uh, uh, I guess I call it a parachute effect. Uh, if if you have too much vein on that back end, you get enough spin going, you're gonna your arrow is gonna slow down tremendously, uh, and and it's gonna like the back end is gonna start to wobble a little bit more. You could probably make the argument that you'll be getting a little less uh, uh, push in the wind with a compound if you're taking really long shots again. Uh, but if it's trad, I frank, I don't think it matters that much to be honest with you. Yeah. And that's kind of my, with a compound, I a hundred percent agree. Shoot the, the shortest vein you can get away with, right. um, with, with, you know, obviously the best flight and being able to stabilize a broadhead yep. with a stick bow. And this is my own, you know, pea brain. I'm not dropping bombs at 60, right? Like right in, in 40 might happen twice a year, once a year. Um, and the chances of me shitting my pants, plucking the string, and having piss poor form yep. is much higher than one to two shots a year. It's probably yep. like forty percent or right. fifty. Yeah. Well, those veins they do, you know, correct. insurance for you. Yep. Yeah, and and honestly, Tom told me to shoot five inch when I started. That's what I shot, and I killed a ton of stuff with it. And right. I'm kind of a chicken shit to, to change, but I've <laughs> shot. That's well, fair. you guys see my videos out of the garage and at oh, the yeah. range. I shoot every vein known to man. One, I just don't. That Reinhardt looked like a ahead. damn porcupine. Oh yeah. That was at 45 yards too in the that wind. Was some decent <laughs> shooting. <laughs> well, and what we were trying to figure out is how much is it drifting right. at 45? Um, I did a very, instantly. very small version of that the other day in a 20 mile an hour wind. And yeah, go ahead though. No, no. I mean, did you kind of come up? There's a little bit of difference, little but bit. not enough for me to change. Right. I shot two inch razors versus four. I think the biggest I have right now is four inch parabolics and really an inch or two. If that, you know, I, I guess I don't shoot. That was at 40. I don't shoot. I shoot decent, but I don't shoot well enough to notice a difference. Really for me, the only reason I shoot smaller feathers is because I 
I like them. I don't know why. No real reason. Well, no, and that's important. Easier to fletch, I guess, if you suck like me. Well, the human brain (laughs) confidence. Right. I I mean, if you feel you look like a badass, you fucking run it. That's literally the only reason. (laughs) That's it. Well, and I I feel confident in that, and I tell people that, hey, this is just what works for me. If you want to run four, you know, 2.5s, you know, run that. And, and, and if it works for you, who the hell am I to yeah. argue? That's just what works for exactly. me. And they are ugly. Five inch veins are, yeah, it's great, but it looks like you got a, you know, half a chicken <laughs> hanging off the half end of your arrow. Exactly. <laughs> no, I, it's just works so right. well. I'm, I'm a chicken to change. Right. Exactly. No, it's, do you, uh, do you run your, uh, your cock vein, uh, straight, out away from your riser or do you run it how you normally would on a compound i run it straight out but i do that um i touch my nose it's my head positioning anchor which oh. is why the right side of my nostrils raw as fuck all the time <laughs> <laughs> um you but you you know you like with the vein thing or the feather thing or whatever like um you know like brent with balker he really pushes the the smaller veins and i you know i have not had great luck in high wind with um, light arrow with a heavy point in comparison to an evenly weighted, heavily arrow, heavy arrow. Now that's not to say someone else might say, Aaron, you're full of shit. I've had great luck. We'll rub some funk on it and head on out, buddy. I mean, that's what you're running. I'm not going to argue with you because it works for you, but say that that's my main, like if I'm shooting, like since I do run the Valkyrie stuff and I've got a lot of point weight up front, like I'll shoot as small as I can get away with for that reason. Just in the wind, I don't want that tail end whipping about. But other than that, like, there's not, like, I don't have an impact difference, but I can see that tail going nuts in the wind if I have a bigger vein on the back. Oh, for, yeah, definitely. And, Especially and, at, like, and, once I, you know, once I start stretching out there, shooting 100, 110 yards or whatever, if I'm shooting in a crosswind, like, it's, it's going where I'm aiming, but that tail end is trying real hard not to get out of, out of whack right and and me coming like with a compound shooting like 80 to 120 um shooting like i shot four flats shooting four two and three quarters with an evenly weighted heavy arrow i don't get that Mm -hmm. um you know where it looks like a sidewinder missile you Mm -hmm. know what's right what's wrong right whatever you're confident poison Yeah. yeah you know so that that i don't I hate arguing about stuff like that with guys too much because it's like, man, I don't want to argue because if it works for you, right? who am I to argue? I'm just saying, you know, honestly, one, I'm a chicken shit and it's worked so well and I'm a very superstitious guy. And you've killed and like you've, a shit ton and a half I've of critters. So, I mean. I've had good luck with <laughs> it, right? Yeah. But, you know, Randy shoots a light arrow that I would make fun of people for, cooling, right. shoots little feather or little veins. Totally different. We talk every day. We don't hate yep. each other, right? We, you, I'm like, hey, great. You know, it's a and, damn miracle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but man, some like that high momentum uh, thread forum yeah. thing. Man, I get a kick out of that. <laughs> Jesus, I get on there. It's like people watching in Boulder, Colorado. It's like just talk <laughs> on there and read what shit people say. Um, oh man. I mean, and I, I had killing him of group a while I got, ago. I got kicked uh, off. So <laughs> I mean, I don't say much, so I haven't got kicked off, but. That there's a kid on there. He seems super intelligent. He kind of helps run it. Um, it's Isaac. Yeah, I don't know that he's shot much, but man, he will definitely tell you how smart he is and how what you should use. And I hate that because 
I'm not saying he shouldn't. He's great for teaching people stuff. Um, and I think that's really good. But, you know, he's gotten mad at me, I think. That's what I've been told because I poke fun at FOC. Mm-hmm. I'm not poking fun of FOC. I'm poking fun at people telling me how important FOC is that haven't actually applied that task at hand. Like if you weigh 400 pounds and you're telling me how important it is to drink water and eat healthy, (laughs) I might not believe you because you're not doing it yourself. And so we all know FOC is important. We all know Aeroflight's important. We all know Ashby is the man. Right. (laughs) None of that can be argued. Yeah. Ashby's an awesome dude. Yeah. Dude, I, Fuck, I, I call him and talk to him. He's a great guy. Mm-hmm. Am I going to shoot an 800 grain arrow? Fuck no. Why? Not at a deer. <laughs> right. That makes no sense. Um, yeah. I, I mean, and so that's where I'm like, hey, we've got it. It's important. Um, but let's be realistic. Like there's a happy medium. And I don't know that, you know, I got Gillingham on the podcast. He's preaching crazy shit, 375 arrows with mechanicals. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, and and I, I think I listen to that podcast too. And like the thing that he like he's one of the best shots in the world. But when he talks about building arrows and what everybody should shoot, he leaves that little fact out. Like it's like, dude, you're one of the best to ever have done this. You're well, going to hit your a- spot. Like He's got a 33-inch draw, too. So yeah, that too. So yeah. the fact, yeah, <laughs> FOC is not really attainable for him unless he makes yeah, special all. arrows. Yeah. Well, and I, I think what should be taken from this is, listen to Tim, accuracy is important. Oh, yes. You sure. might want to well, forget yeah. all that other shit, but accuracy <laughs> is important. Yeah. That if you hit your okay, spot, so, it doesn't matter what you're shooting. Right. So take that in. Okay, now go to uh, Ashby. Mm-hmm. Front of center is important. Components are important. Aero flight is key. Okay, take that mm-hmm. from him. Go to your buddy who's laid down a ton of animals. What's working for him? Mm-hmm. Okay, now you've got all these ingredients. You got Bake your own cake. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Figure what, out what you want. What I think a lot of people do with with the Ashby stuff is they they blow by the first two penetration factors, which is aero flight and uh, uh, structural integrity. Actually, I think it's structural integrity than aero flight. Uh, but like, if you don't have either of those, nothing else matters. You can be shooting a 900 grain arrow, but if it's flying like dog shit and, uh, and it's going to break, then it, it doesn't matter at all. But if you're shooting, I would take a structurally sound, good flying midweight. When I say midweight, I mean like 450 to 500 grain arrow that like meets those first two over a much heavier arrow with high FOC that has a higher probability of breaking. And I think if people can focus more on how can I build an arrow that won't break versus how can I build an arrow that's going to have 28 to 30% front of center, they'd have more success probably. Yeah, no, I agree a hundred percent. You, I mean, you couldn't have stated that better. Another dollar Um, in AJ's jar. (laughs) Yeah, no, yeah. I'm going to say no, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Because that one he doesn't get any money for. Um, I don't know where I picked that shit up from, but I've done it for years. Yeah, hey, yeah, it's, yeah. No. It's like your <laughs> trademark. So I guess. Um, but I, that all that stuff is is true. So, you know, if you get somebody, let's say, that's a 28-inch draw, 70 pounds. Hey, man, I'm, I'm going elk hunting. What should I shoot? And I'll be like, man, you, you probably want to hit that 475. 
uh, plus range, you know, you're probably going to be around 260, 65 feet per second. Um, you know, I'd probably put a 50 grain brass insert in there, get at least 50. Um, you know, if you want to go super crazy, you might drop down to the 250 feet per second. Don't worry about speed too much. Um, you know, kind of find a happy medium and then they're going to say, should I shoot a mechanical? I'm going to come back and say, I've don't. shot a pile of elk with a mechanical, but there's downfalls to them. And I was shooting 80 to 90 pounds. Um, you don't need to necessarily shoot a mechanical because the two reasons are shitty tuning. That's why God invented them. Yep. And a yep. wider wound channel. Well, with a slower bow, you can shoot a relatively wide fixed mm-hmm. blade. Um, and, and you still could shoot a mechanical. I shot mechanicals for years. If I shot a compound now, I'd still be shooting both in my quiver. Um, which yeah, is they why have, I shoot. they have their uses. It's just, you got to know when to not use them is the, I think the part that most people don't realize. Yeah. Yeah. Or shoot a bow that, um, in my case where it wouldn't, have, I could have put a pitchfork yeah. on the front and it would have went through, but right. not everybody's going to shoot 80, 90 pounds and not everybody has a 33 inch draw length of Tim Gillingham. So don't <laughs> right. fucking do what I'm doing. If you're shooting 65 pounds, it's not the same right. thing. Yeah. Right. You, you, you've got to cater it to what your specific setup is or animal, like you said. Yeah. Speaking of high draw weights, you were, you, you said you shot like 85, 90 pounds, uh, on compound. Where did you start when you switched to a trab bow and what are you shooting now? Oh, I think I started at 40 something, maybe 45 is probably yeah. where I started. And I, yeah. and I think, um, I went to like 48 pretty quickly. And then, uh, I'm kind of a wiener, man. I shoot 55 at 28, so I shoot 59 pounds, 58 pounds. Yeah. Um, and it's weird. I go two pounds over that, and I start to suck. Um, I go under it, and I just feel weird. So mm-hmm. pretty much 58, 59 pounds. And the thing is, is the first year I killed, I can't remember, um, maybe like 14 or 15. It was a bunch of different animals, enough to that. I, I mean, herd. I was like 48 pounds yeah. and man, I was zipping through everything. And then I, I look back and think, Jesus, there were so many animals. I didn't pass through with a compound and a mechanical. Right. And yep. I started doing testing of penetration with a hide and, and a scale, um, a, a weight scale. And then mm-hmm, you push mm-hmm. down and it's, it, you know, 40, 50, 60 pounds to open up a mechanical. It's like five for a fixed blade or something. You know, I was yeah, like, Jesus. yeah. Yeah, high mechanical yeah, advantage when is they're, definitely going to have its advantage there. Especially when they're good and sharp. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I, I know that was a, a humbling moment for me because, I, I mean, I'm I'm not exactly the epitome of fitness, but, uh, I mean, I'm a fairly strong guy. I've got decent shoulders on me, and pulling 70, 75 pounds on a compound wasn't a real big deal for me. And I was like, oh, I'll be fine. I'll, I'll buy a 50-pound recurve to start. Nope, that didn't that didn't work out. Uh, had to uh, swap that out for some forty. I think they ended up being like forty three at my draw length, uh, pound limbs, and uh, it, it helped. And I probably initially had some poor form issues with that. I will say though, I am a proponent of guys that are shooting trad bows trying to shoot heavier than what they're currently shooting because when I started shooting forty five to that forty three to forty five pound range consistently and I would pick up like a fifty five pound bow. I think we had like a fifty five pound bow there at work. Uh it was a long bow actually. Uh and I shot that I shot that way more accurately and it's because it wasn't as easy to pluck the string. 
because that thing it wanted to go and i had way more tension on the back end and i liked it yep. uh so and now uh my backwoods is i think it's peaks at 50 uh, i don't know if i can say this i'm gonna say it anyway my backwoods peaks at 54 and i uh, hold at 52 uh and i shoot it fine uh so uh, but that's all that to say even if you're a strong guy uh don't don't go all crazy with uh uh with your trad weight if you're gonna switch like buy a 40 to 45 pound bow to start and then work your way up and figure out what you're going to like anyway. Cause that's kind of, that's kind of the boat the Garrett's in right now. You can't yeah. shoot your, your longbow or is it? Mean, well, it's a you can't shoot I, it, but I yeah. can shoot it, but I know that I'm not shooting it very well just based on, I can't hit shit with it, but also like I just get tired super fast. And I, I mean, I do yeah. competitive Olympic weightlifting for fun. So like I am strong, but it doesn't matter. Like it, that's not, yeah. Yeah. I'm not strong it's in a, that way. A, as much as I want to be strong sure. in that way, I am not. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I can shoot 80, 85 pounds on a compound. No problem. Yeah. Right. And you know, that's one thing, it, you know, starting out at a lighter poundage is always best. And then like, once you get, it's a different, especially when you uh, actually know how to draw a bow correctly, like, you know, taking Tom's course or whatever. Um, you know, drawn with bone on bone structure, all that fun jazz. It's yeah. A totally different yeah. Discussion, but learning how to draw a bow correctly in the first place, man, it's, it's, it helps out a lot. It, you know, takes a strain off the muscles and puts it, you know, on the bone, bone structure. Yeah. And, you know, if you, if you get started out on the right foot, it, it's, you know, pretty, you'll bump up in weight pretty quickly. But, yeah. Uh, I like, uh, I like Brent's, um, I'm pretty sure he, hell, he might've shared that. I'm sure he shared it a couple of times, but I think the one I listened to it on was on, uh, Gertie Bowman. Uh, I think Aaron was in that episode, uh, where, uh, Brent talks about, uh, he was going elk hunting and I think he brought like a 40 pound bow with him. It was like a state minimum. It was really low and he had a, a decent sized bull walk out in front of him. And he was like, for the first time ever, I was like, Oh my God, I'm undergunned. Like, I don't, I don't <laughs> have enough. I don't know. I don't have enough bow. And he was, you know, he was shooting his Valkyries and it just like blew right through it. And, uh, that just, that goes to show you what a well-built, fairly heavy, high mechanical advantage broadhead, uh, or, or uh, entire arrow setup with a good broadhead on the front end can do for you. I mean, if you can blow through an elk, with, you know, on a, on a well-placed shot with a 40 pound recurve, then right. you should be able to do it with just about anything. Right. And I mean, yeah, it, it can be, certainly be done with a 40 pounder. And I, I actually did hunt with a like 42 pounder for the first couple weeks of the season last year. Just, just messing around with it. Just, you know, but right now I think I'm at, well, I have a pile of bows, but they're, most of them are around that 50 pound mark, 47 to 50. Mm-hmm. It's just where I've been most comfortable lately. And then, uh, Actually, today was new bow day for me. Yeah, you need to again, pick one, dude. Just yeah. pick one. I know. I know. <laughs> Aaron, like fifteen. I think, no, I'm down to like seven now. Think of it as don't women. believe you. I don't believe it's you. It's awesome to have a bunch. Yeah, but most of them are a pain in the ass. But exactly. one of them is going to be the right one. Well, see, <laughs> dude, you need to you need to sell you know, them all and just buy an ultimate is what you need to do. A Bobbly Ultimate, yeah. yeah. I know I shot that one the other day, and it was pretty impressive. What are you shooting, Aaron? If you don't mind us asking, I don't know if that's... I... No, no, no. I I, uh, I shoot a Black Widow, and uh, 
I would say, I hate to say this out loud, the only other bow I would shoot is a Bob Lee. Um, yeah. I shot. I sh- oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say I shot a, I shot a PSA and a Ultimate back-to-back, and they were both amazing. Did that on well, Saturday. Lee, um, Jake Downs and I um, uh, did a big bow test. We tried a bunch of them, and, and uh, Jake took my Bob Lee because um, he liked it so much, and I, I liked the Widow. And, and honestly, um, you know, I've shot a Wingard, and, and Trent's a great guy, and his bows are great. I just – that Widow and, – and here here's the thing is is um, I think that um, the the two companies have been in business forever. Forever, right? Right. yeah. And the – you can't – I mean, the, you can't be denied. Obviously, they're both extremely durable. They're both great bows. I just shot the Widow – uh, a little bit better and I had shot so much with it and I have such a good relationship with Toby and miles and Roger. Um, all of those things combined and the fact that I can drop bombs at 50 yards with a recurve with a widow, it's pretty hard for me to switch. Yeah. I would just encourage guys to, I mean, I hate to narrow it down to, to a couple bows or whatever, but I mean, those two bows are definitely bows that should be at the top of your list. Wingard is another great one. Um, yep. I, I, the, there's pros and cons to both. The stable lock system is pretty badass with, um, with Bob Lee's. It's Um, amazing. And, but I like the limbs on the back of the bow for, for many different reasons on the widow. Um, as far as speed, it was pretty much in, inconsequential, Uh, basically the same speed. Um, I like the draw cycle of the, widow myself um but the draw cycle is good on a, on a lee as well um i honestly what you just said to i mean you should sell all those and order your dream bow with two backup sets of limbs and stop fucking around because i guarantee you will <laughs> exactly. do hey. one it's just difficult uh, to do it is and see my thing is i'm a i like pretty bows you know and i like looking at them and i like shooting them and it, I don't know, it can be an addiction in itself, but no, I'm, I'm getting to this, to the point where it's like, okay, this is getting ridiculous. You know, this is, this is expensive. We could and, have told uh, you that before you ordered four new bows in the last three months. <laughs> oh no, it's only been two and that was like eight months ago. So they're just coming in now. So no, you, but you have at least got four bows since we have been on this podcast. Oh. Three. Yeah. Three or four. Three hand yeah, right. That's true. Minimum. Lay it out, man. What what have you got? Um, okay, so just today I actually got a uh, big stick assassin from Bob Smith. That one's sixty-two inch. I'm a longbow guy, by the way, but um next year I am gonna stick actually with two recurves, a, a primary and a backup, but uh or that's a plan anyway. But just got that f- fifty four pound it. Yeah, I know. Fifty four <laughs> pound uh sixty two inch big stick assassin that one's pretty pretty sweet they'll post some pictures up tonight but that one's all g10 riser with uh spalted mango veneers and then uh let's see java man elk cart um that one's a really nice bow that was my first short long bow 58 inch and that one shoots like a dream i'm pretty blown away by that one and then um let's see what else i got i got that little crow merlin that's a, actually a Minnesota Boyer. Um, that one is probably my favorite. That one's 62 inch 
um, 49 pounds at my draw. And then what else do I got? You bought I a do have a re- Oh yeah. The centaur. Yep. 60 inch centaur. Um, that one I fought the grip a little bit on. Um, that was actually a used bow. That was from Drew over at Selway. I just couldn't, can't get used to the grip on that one. It's, you know, custom bows are custom. So sometimes you get a grip that just doesn't fit right. It was, you know, fit, fit Drew right, but it doesn't fit my hand right. So. Yeah. You got um, a pile of them over there. Yeah. I got, you know, a couple older recurves, a couple bears and one, one Debo, which I hate. AJ can have those. Uh, <laughs> AJ, you you can have those bows because they suck. That one stays on the rack. <laughs> AJ Dubay. Yeah, yeah. Widow. Yeah, he just got that widow, so he he went away from the Satan bows, <laughs> devil bows. So thank you. Tom told me that when I started. You know, when I was shooting him, he said one of these bows is gonna sing to you. It's gonna be yep. in. in Man, uh, the I, the Palmer was the one that I liked. They seem right. to have a kind of riser cracking issue or separating somewhat. Does Palmer guy, still make bows? He does somewhat. He's okay. kind of a pecker wolf, um, <laughs> from my experience with him, you know. And 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 it it it, go, it it goes a long way. Which is try like I try to do my best on customer service to talk to anyone that calls, no matter if you're about to buy or you're having issues at all times of the night and right. that goes a long way with me. And me too. the guy sure. at black widow are the salt of the earth and I would do anything for him. And the guys at Bob Lee are the exact same way. Yep. Let's give Mike over Palmer a call and see what kind of welcome you get at yeah. <laughs> some custom wood. Uh, you're not going to get that same welcome that you get from, from foil or winger to Trent, another guy. And I, and honestly, I think Trent's longbows are unbelievable from what I understand. I never shot one, but um, you know, I think guys, there's just going to be a certain bow that's going to fit guys. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't matter. If you guys shoot or I shoot, that should be your base starting point. Yeah. But which one fits good in your hand is the one you should go with, not the one that Snyder or, or Blaine or whoever's, you know, shooting right. or matter. Yeah. Or and you know what, Aaron, that's really tough for me because man seeing other guys shoot a boat have you know they they get a new bow and it's like okay that's pretty sweet and he, that's my problem is i want to try them all so like i see you you know with that that wanger you had or the one uh matt zernzak from the push has and it's like man that thing is sweet and then i see your black widow and i see whoever shooting a bob lee and it's like man yeah, I uh, you know, I, I don't live. know. It's, it's have you ever watched Fraggle Rock? I'm old, so you guys probably never even heard of it. What, what, what of was it? that again? Fraggle Rock. I don't think so. Fraggle Rock. Okay, so Fraggle, Fraggle Rock. Fraggle Rock. Oh God. Uh, no. Okay. You guys need to look up Wembley, Blaine. That's you with bows. You're Wembley. <laughs> All right. So we're gonna I'll put that. In, we're gonna put that in the show notes so people can look it yeah. up. I'll take it. I just helped with a guy, the uh, uh, Brady, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Rhetorith. Um, I called him Wembley because he couldn't make up his mind out of pack. He about drove me crazy. I said, dude, you're like Wembley off Fraggle Rock. They never heard of it either. I had to look it up. And then I got a bunch of his wife laughing at him because she calls him Wembley now. But uh, <laughs> one of the things, too, not to get off subject of bows, but um, the clicker, I wanted to talk about how I yes. silenced that clicker. Yeah, I was going to circle back uh, around to that. 
So the clicker obviously clicks and it's extremely loud. I, I shoot a cricket clicker, but there's a cricket and a there's a well, clickety click, I clickety think. Click. Like yeah, yep. original name, right? Clickety clicker and cricket. Um, so when you, I don't worry about silencing that thing when I practice. Um, doesn't really matter to me. But hunting, you know, you can make it to where it's it's uh, not even audible. It's just a feel. I I don't do that. There is a slight click, but um, first you want to take all the shit that comes with it and pretty much get rid of everything <laughs> but the little that's hooked to the to the beads. Okay. Keep, save that bell, um, throw away everything else except the, obviously the clicker in the base. And then I take a cocking cord. I hate to use a C word, but for the crossbow cocking cord. <laughs> and, uh, I use that for my clicker cord. And then what I do oh. is I the bell on it and yep. then I clip it, crimp it back on and I burn the end of the, uh, mm-hmm. cocking cord into the end of the bell and then i pull that through so now that's hooked to my blade yep and then i go ahead oh i was gonna say that protects that cord from getting cut on the on that i don't know what you call it that metal piece that yep you have the blade blade. yep yeah the blade yep so now you have to worry there's going to be some movement and i'm overly anal about this with the bell in the blade so i glue with either oh 30-06 or aae the black glue or whatever i glue the bell into the blade so it can't move um Mm, now that i've done that um i have a, a a tool that looks like a pencil that checks pressure for when i worked on doors for the back check of of door closures Mm -hmm. and Clickers can change from two to five or six pounds of pressure to make them click. Oh, wow. And I want all mine to fire it too. And this is also the way that you quiet it down. So I start to flex it and I start bending the crap out of it back and forth. You can bend it to where it'll never click again. And you got to get a hammer and beat the shit out of it with a screwdriver (laughs) to get it in it. But I flex it and I get it super weak because I want it to click at two pounds Mm -hmm. because you're adding two pounds of weight. Or otherwise, six if it can be clicker. a pain to get through that clicker. Otherwise, oh, you'll shake like a cat oh. shit and sugar. Yep, it's, it's cool. Yep, miserable. I, make you I just got a clicker to, go. to put on my recurve, so this is all super helpful. Yeah. <laughs> so flex that thing a bunch back and forth, and then get it to where it clicks quietly and also clicks easily. And then I take a luco tape or vet wrap and. I wrap it around a couple times and I'll, I'll start with a little bit more than I need. I'll flex it, check it. I'll yep. unwrap it, flex it, and then I'll get it to where it's just enough noise that I can hear it, but it's not this metallic click. It's more of a thud. Yep. And so it's not, and believe me when I tell you this, it's not as alarming to animals hearing a little thud compared to a click, right. which <laughs> says get out of here, right? So I want the, oh, a stick broke, not a, oh, a metal click just happened. A human must be here. So I get that, (laughs) and then I take Velcro uh, sticky tape, and I put Velcro sticky tape on the metal base um, all the way down it, and that's so the blade doesn't slap against it, and that's it. Uh, And then mm -hmm. it's, it's ready to hunt, and I'll make four or five or six of those in January, and that covers... Uh, my backup sets of limbs, if they wear out, right. my my emergency kit. Now, what you want to do as well as I keep an emergency kit in my backpacking survival kit thingy dingy. And yep. what it is is it's alcohol wipes, 
Uh, it's Gorilla Tape that I've pre-cut in case I really need to re-stick my clicker back on. You can also just keep a backup clicker. There's different ways to do it. But right. I mark on my limb with silver Sharpie to trace around where my clicker went. Um, the alcohol wipe is because it leaves a godforsaken, sticky, gooey shit resin. It's <laughs> horrible to get off. So you got to rub your thumb on it a bunch, and then I wipe it clean with the alcohol when I glue it back on. Yep. See, I haven't, I haven't tried that Gorilla Tape. Somebody just told me about that, you know, that you had suggested that to them and i'm gonna have to try that stuff because this uh double sided double sided foamy shit that's on there originally does not work that well it doesn't work in the rain i can tell you that nope. right now that I three of them off on my bear hunt i was ready to kill them yep <laughs> yeah it's, it's not not good well god you, we had a two-hour podcast on arrow building i feel like we could do a two-hour podcast on clicker building that's oh a, you could <laughs> it's pretty involved yeah, well that that um and you know i you want to run it when you glue, I try to stick it as high as I can up on the limb. Mm-hmm. Um, so my clicker cord is short mm-hmm. and then I, I, you know, I've done it a ton of different ways and I shoot a mountain muffler bowstring. I've had really good luck with those, not stretching, yep. um, Flemish twist. I was running 80, or excuse me, BCYX. Um, he's got a new version of that now, but, um, I just run it straight through the center of the string and tie, uh, nail knots above and below. Yep. Same and here. that's all I have to worry about. And I don't have to worry about twisting and untwisting because the, the string doesn't untwist. And then that mountain muffler, I'm just a firm believer that that quiets any bow down the way he builds that string. I mean, I, it's unique. I, I, I hate to do a sales pitch on those things, but man, that string has been unbelievable for me. And, uh, yeah, I suggest for everybody to shoot those on their bows. I've had great luck with them. They look goofy. I mean, you got a big fuzzy thing right where your limb's at, but you get guys that put Velcro or moleskin on their limbs where right. their string hit. This solves that problem because it's attached to the string, so you don't have to do that. Yep. No, I think they actually look pretty cool, in my opinion. They're a pretty sweet-looking string. They look cool once you get used to them when you first get it on there, especially if you're used to cat. <laughs> you're like yeah huh, what is this thing I've got half an animal on my screen <laughs> <laughs> oh uh another th- clicker mod i think that was you that that did a uh instagram uh post or something or in your story or something the replacing the screw the uh phillips head screw with a allen yep yep i did that the other day and wow that's gonna be a lot better than carrying around a freaking screwdriver <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I try to I, I I try to do everything catering to uh backpack yeah, hunting yeah. And, and generally have an Allen set of some type backpack hunting. Right. Um and you you know, with an Allen head, you, you can, you know, crackerize, you know, a knife blade and get a Phillips head out. Mm-hmm. Um but in, in general, having a, a tiny little fill or a tiny little Allen head in your survival kit thing. Yep. So much is that big yeah. And, and I sawed one off and I made it small. It's not like you need to put 90 pounds of torque on that screw. No. So I don't need a lot of leverage. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, that's what I do with the clicker. And then, um, you know, I shoot three under, under um, you know, as far as my, you know, I, I, there's split finger three under and, and I shoot three under because I, you know, I shoot the way that I use my, I, it gets my eyeball over the arrow. Yep. Um, I can a little bit uh, my bow so I can get my eye over the air a little bit better. It's just how I've gotten accustomed to it. Yeah, yeah, um, you got quite the can on yours. 
Yeah, I got the gangster lean. I look like a fat Deadpool. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> but uh, I've I've actually stopped some of the cant. Um, you know, just I mean, only for the reason of um, it's a little bit more consistent on on different you know uneven terrain, and we're taking. Like who knows this year? I don't know, man. I got so many hunts planned that a lot of them are going to be in the cliffs. The two goat hunts are going to be, you know, pretty pretty crazy. So um, yeah, geez, I, you got you've got two like back to back, right? Something like that going on. Like Colorado goat tag, so I got Alaskan uh, mountain goat, and then I I get back and like four days later I'm on a a Colorado goat hunt. But what's Ooh. crazy is right before the Alaskan goat hunt, I've got that mule deer hunt. So I'm going to look like an avocado on a toothpick by October. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, you're going to need to pack a lot of calorie dense foods for those. Oh man. I eat like a horse. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, uh, I think that um, I will be ready to uh, be fat, dumb and happy in the tree stand eating. <laughs> <ho-ho>. <laughs> yep. Come February or whenever you, when do you, when do you go down there? January or February, somewhere in there? Oh, we've got, I got a lot of whitetail hunts playing. Um, yeah. After I go to Alberta for, for mule deer at the end of October. And then I go to Texas for whitetail oh, yeah. and then, uh, Oklahoma, Kansas. And then I go to, uh, right at Christmas, I go on the dove slaying fest in Jeez. Alabama. And then we go, back in um, february nice that's gonna be awesome so yeah, other than that, I don't... oh go ahead no i've been a smart ass go ahead <laughs> well, i was i was gonna be a smart ass and pro tip for once again i know we, we even mentioned this with jake but uh pro tip for young kids uh if you are good at construction to the point where the company will let you take long vacations or just partial leave of absence kind of things uh, this is another benefit to working in the construction field because you can just be like, yeah, I'm going to go hunt for two months and I'll talk to you guys when I get back. Whereas if you're like me and you work a nine to five job in it, you get two, maybe three weeks a year to go out and hunt. So, uh, yeah, Heck. once again, another, another plug for, if you want to be in skilled trades, fucking go for it because you can make a hell of a lot of money and, uh, you can take a lot of time off if you want to, as long as you don't suck at your job. So I made 43 bucks an hour doing glass. Yep. Um, yep. You know, well, I made less than that. I guess once I was running the, the shop, I made was that on salary and, and I, uh, you know, let's face it. I barely graduated high school. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So. Well, I mean, I know plumbers here in Kansas city uh, when I was, uh, when I was a union plumber and you can do it non-union too. Uh, they, they were making 52 plus benefits plus the like $10 an hour they're putting into your retirement and all your free healthcare and like all this crazy stuff. So yeah, if, if you're, if you're, if you're a young man or woman and you want to, you want to take a lot of time to hunt and don't want to, uh, waste your prime athletic years. Uh, uh, you know, when you, when you could be in college out hunting, I would, I would highly encourage you to look into a skill trade. You know what, as you bring that up, let's, I mean, let's talk about one other thing when you're talking about that, uh, <laughs> the amount of, people that well, welcome them. welcome to the podcast aaron where rabbit holes uh just happen <laughs> out of nowhere <laughs> the amount of people that message me of how do i get in the industry um you know, one, a lot. yeah well yeah that's a, that's what i'm going to be leading up to is um get one, a job where you can hunt a lot yeah, well are you getting in the industry if you okay, here's the thing are you wanting to get in the industry of the outdoors if you're yeah. wanting to get into the industry, I'm probably the wrong guy to talk to. I'm antisocial. I cuss too much. <laughs> you know, I'm not a poster child for the industry person. 
I wanted to be in the wilderness as much as humanly possible. That was my only goal. The industry part ended up being a byproduct of, of it. But if you're wanting to get in the industry, don't ask me because I don't know. But it, I would say, you know, if you want to get in the outdoors um, uh, or the outdoor industry or however you want to look at it, if you, if you want to be in the outdoors as much as humanly possible um, or you're trying to get free gear or whatever, you know, have the industry come to you. Um, if you make a name for yourself by being an amazing hunter, a survival expert, um, a target archer, um, you get to where you're crushing it so hard. It's something that people want to come to you for your advice, your expertise, um, you know, for, for design, for whatever it, it may be, or they just want you wearing their stuff because you're doing good in the field and give your feedback. That's a lot better than doing nothing. And sending a guy like me, uh, I just started a YouTube page. I have 37 followers and give me a bunch of free shit, <laughs> which is the only email I get. Um, <laughs> you know, it's a lot better for me to come to you. And I'm speaking this for, you know, probably most companies. Right. Um, you know, you're going to be a lot better off. And, and really, if you want to get in the industry, it's not that hard, hard of a job to get a job with some outdoor company. Um but if you're looking at a job like I have, it's about a one in a million chance. I just got lucky and worked my ass off. It doesn't happen very often. That's that's where it comes from, though, is the working your ass off part. Like yep. people, people I know don't a lot. Of, yeah, I say I know a lot of guys that are like, "Oh, I want to make it in the outdoor industry." It's like, no, you want to have a YouTube page and make money off of that. But that, like the guys that are doing that as a living, that's not common. Like they're also working their asses off, and you're not ready to do that. Yeah. Um, well, okay. So I have a lot of people that work at Kafaro or a decent amount, which occasionally someone will say, boy, I'd really like to do what you do. Um, No, you wouldn't. And I say, okay, are you, uh, you know, somewhat professional photographer? Mm -hmm. Uh, okay. Are (laughs) you extremely fit? So you don't embarrass yourself when you can lead a, a training hike or backpack hunt or whatever. Right. Uh, no, Okay, well, that's out the window. All right. Can you survive off next to nothing for multiple days at a time and film it and teach people why you're doing it? Uh, you know, are you proficient with a bow? Generally, nine out of 10 of those are no, most of the time, 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Well, how really bad do you want to have my job if you haven't even tried to dress for success for your job of tomorrow? You just want to say, I'd really like to have your job because you want the cool shit. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of bad stuff along with it along the way exactly yep right yep there's there's a suck there for sure don't uh you don't normally uh just end up on top you're unless you're the you know the silver spoon kid that's an heir to an empire kind of thing then you know that's kind of that but that is very much the exception and most of a few of those guys on Sitka staff (laughs) (laughs) Oh what, man! What do they say? The the man on top of the mountain didn't fall there, or something like that. I don't know. That's deep thoughts from a shallow mind, right there. I've never heard of that. One. <laughs> yeah, I heard that one the other day. I'm going to take a, a small poke at the uh, at the at the first light guys too. Love you, Garrett. But uh, hey. I know it's it's the guy that's like the director of the like. I think he might be the person who basically chooses who gets to be on first lights pro staff is the guy that's uh he's one he's one of the guy that's one of the guys that is promoting the hell out of this new uh Uh annihilator broadhead 
uh that the the bladeless wonder i like to refer to it as even though it has blades on it i don't know it doesn't look like a, a an awful broadhead i think people have already done it uh, uh i don't i don't think it's revolutionary by by any means i'll, I'll give it a shot like I'll, I'll order some and shoot them and see see how they do but uh yeah their their whole marketing going into this has been a total dumpster fire if you ask me Oh, is that the one that kind of cups that says I'm going to slow down penetration? If you have <laughs> yes, kind of uh, yes, yep, in. that one, that one right there. <laughs> yeah, it's all. Yeah, it's, I saw it's that. A, it's a, like, uh, as Brian put it, our buddy, our buddy Brian said, it's a VPA with wings. Is basically all it is. <laughs> I thought it was a small game head when I first glanced yeah, at it, yep. to, or like a turkey head to stop penetration. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like um, a stumper thumper. Yeah, which. I mean, whatever, right? If you want to come out with something new, it's just like come out with something new that might work better than what's not on the market. Yeah, um, I mean, it's maybe it'll be fine. When I look at the mechanical advantage of it, I don't think it's going to do well. And maybe it's durable. I mean, that's the looking at the design. I'm like, oh, I'm probably a durable head, I guess. But I mean, it's hard to really, I mean, find a, a head out there that uh, at least a, a decently built head uh, that isn't going to, you know, break uh, with you know, at least a little bit of torture so i don't know we'll see but the whole marketing we leading up to that thing i was just a quite uh quite interesting i even reached out to him asked if they want to come on talk about it and they uh they were like oh i don't know maybe so we'll see if they do i'm going to tell them that their marketing is uh interesting to say the least i've never i've never seen the hashtag pound town on a broadhead. <laughs> that's a porn. That's a freaking porn. <laughs> I was, I was like, I don't, I don't want to search. This Never hashtag. seen that there. Never seen that's that. Like on a broadhead googling box. doinker. You're gonna see a dildo. <laughs> you Google doinker. Like, Google doinker in Pound Town and see what pops up. Uh, It'll be archery. I can promise you that. Jeez. Oh Lord. Oh man. Uh, well, Aaron, do you uh, do you have any other parting words of wisdom? I know we've we've kept you here for a minute, and we every every time we're like we're gonna make this this is gonna be a shorter episode. We're gonna do a shorter episode, and then two hours later, damn it, we did it again. Yeah, definitely, that's not gonna happen with me. I mean, I with this kind of stuff, especially uh, you guys have been super cool. I mean, you're easy to talk to, and it's it's um, very relatable. So yeah. yeah, I wouldn't count on us ever talking anything short <laughs> unless it was about. Pound Town. <laughs> um, we'll try and keep it. That's so bad now. So bad. <laughs> Snyder, you gotta wonder what. Yeah, you gotta wonder what that guy was thinking if he was like me and just has a sick sense of humor, <laughs> or if it's one of those guys like from Patagonia, or completely oblivious, not non-hunting community that thought it was just a great idea. <laughs> Man, I just googled Pound Town. It's not. Good. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Don't, don't do that. Yeah, yeah, kid. I'm gonna have some kind of fucked up virus on my computer. <laughs> It's a yeah, no, I guess that's my parting word. Sorry, kids. Oh, no. <laughs> don't, don't Google Pound. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, no, I really appreciate you guys having the. Uh, yeah, having man. No, yeah. anytime, anytime. I know uh, when when Blaine Blaine was like, hey, Aaron, like, talk to us about the podcast. I was like, Aaron, Aaron Snyder listened to our podcast once. That's, that's <laughs> very cool. <laughs> so, uh, no, I, I, really, I listened to the one with you and Jake to see if he could actually remember what the hell he even hunted. Yeah, that Jesus was, said yep. they need to write shit down. That <laughs> dude, oh, that dude's a, he's a freaking killer. Oh, um, he's, yep, uh, he's, he's, he's right there, well, up there with you, man. 
So, well, he we went out, he came and shot in this tournament with me, and about four targets into it, you know, he was worried how you do, and I'm like, dude, you have a legitimate shot at beating me at this tournament. <laughs> and he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, everything's close. And he's like, what? And I'm like, dude, I suck between 16 and 22 yards. This is not my, because he's been seeing me shoot 40, like, oh my God, I'm never going to beat him. I'm like, dude, believe me, this is not my type of tournament. This is not good for me. So we ended up, I beat him by two the first round. He beat me and I knew we were close. He beat me by two the second round and we got in a shoot off. And what was funny, it's like a 48 yard unknown target. And I shot and I was about eight inches low. And I'm like, and I wanted him to win. Like I, I knew it'd be a confidence build. So I'm like, dude, it's far. I can't tell him the yardage, but I'm like, he knows my point on 40 and I'm low. And I'm like, dude, it's, it's out there. He just grips it and rips it. I don't even know if he had his eyes open. <laughs> and fuck, he beat me. I was like, Jesus, dude. I was like, did you, how high did you hold your point? He goes, dude, I don't know. I just flung an arrow down there. Well, then, uh, which was super cool because they won a Kafaru pack. Like I needed that. Right. And then, uh, <laughs> but I tell you what was most impressive. The next morning, he wanted to go do cardio, yep. and for I'm like, hey, dude, um, you know, you finished within a couple hundred yards of me. Considered a victory. Like I, I train here, and I, this is kind of my home turf, my jam. And yep. dude, that guy, he, um, that was more impressive than the tournament. He stayed with me for probably half three quarters of the way nice. i thought he's gonna pass out i could hear him wheezing and shit i'm like this motherfucker's harder than woodpecker lips like <laughs> he's, he's not gonna quit and then i end up beating him by i don't know whatever it was 100 yards maybe to the top mm-hmm. and he's like man you kicked my ass and i'm like dude do you know how many people i've beaten up this hill <laughs> like dude you just came from freaking nebraska yeah and you, i mean you basically stayed with me the whole time i'm like you're not gonna have any problem keeping up that dude he's just mentally tough yeah I mean, he's just a tough yeah dude. when i i moved when i moved to colorado i moved from texas from san antonio to the denver area and i remember my first pt test at altitude and i was like oh god got about him you know a mile and a quarter into that two mile run and you know trying to keep on pace what i was normally running i think it was like low 13s or something like that and uh i was I'm dead like i'd like I'm like a mile and a half into it i almost passed out i i, I didn't i didn't finish the test because i just i wasn't i wasn't ready to be sucking air like that 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 early in i just kept trying to push and I just pooped out couldn't do it it was uh it was rough so yeah you you guys up there at altitude are uh, are a different kind of uh, animal that's uh, certainly not something i'm used to I think he's just genetically built that way because it's about a mile and you gain a thousand feet. Oh, and, God, night. You know, we usually do it truck in 18 and 19 minutes. And I didn't go slow that morning. We did it in just at 19 minutes. And that's a fast pace with 45 pounds. Mm-hmm. And he stayed basically with me the whole way, which says something about what kind of a man he is. I mean, he obviously is mentally got it to where he's not going to give up which i'm glad because we're going on a bunch of hunts together <laughs> and i like him anyway so now i'm like excited like shit this dude's a fucking right you know yeah it's it's always uh, it's hard to find a, a hunting partner that's uh you know on the same playing field you know level yeah. playing field that's a tough one you know my hunting so, buddy's a goddamn always- billy goat and he tries to kill me every time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. yeah that's funny that's a podcast that i did with brian Cole yep. that was pretty funny about the hunting was, partner podcast. that was a good one i've listened to that uh, one a few it, times yeah because you do get when you're looking it's like finding a wife and 
you really you got to have the same moral compass, the same kind of fitness, right. and, you know, deal with everyone's, um, you know, shit. So it is difficult to find a good hunting partner. Yeah. yeah. And cool. I, we're, we're good together, but yeah, I lucky for me, I'm just too dumb to quit also. So I'll just put my head down, even though I'm dying and just keep on going. All right. Well, I wanted to stop about 20 minutes ago, but we're still going. Okay. <laughs> gotta have that person to drive you (laughs) cool all right well i won't it's uh it's getting late so i won't i won't keep you anymore aaron but uh once again really really appreciate you coming hanging out with us and uh i'm sure we'll we'll talk again soon especially you need to go kill some more stuff like that's news to you and uh uh, and come back on and tell us about it i'm uh and i'm really i you just uh today you just released the uh what is, not not fuzzy pants my god uh puffy um, pants puffy pants there we Dang go uh, eastern, which I'm... eastern guys dang it <laughs> but <laughs> that's uh, like the uh, holy grail of of clothing out there and you don't hunt, hunting apparel and you don't even know it <laughs> don't take that yeah they we did and you look like mc hammer in them, but that you won't die <laughs> well uh i know you've probably been testing them already well i, I know you have i think you i saw a picture on your instagram story a while back but uh um, interested to see uh get your feedback on customers from that and uh we'll have you have you back on maybe talk a little more uh, uh gear oriented stuff next time uh I'll make you talk about kafaro even though you said i don't want to talk about my company because i don't want to promote it i'm gonna make <laughs> you promote it next time Not that you need to. <laughs> we're, we're all already on board yeah we, we already have all that stuff but i i definitely i want to pick your your brain more on gear stuff because i am not a western hunter and therefore don't have a ton of knowledge on gear uh luckily i've got to two co-hosts that know a decent amount about it but uh, i figured if i'm gonna get some advice i'd like to get it from the horse's mouth per se so mm-hmm. we'll uh we'll have you back on soon for sure if you if you want to come come hang out again yeah, no, I definitely, uh, I just did it again. AJ's getting another dollar, but yeah, I uh, definitely come on again. Uh, you know, anytime it's good. Let me know. Cool. Cool. All right. Blaine, Garrett, anything else? Do we, do we forget anything? Oh, there's mm. endless hours. Yeah. That I, could, I could talk for plenty talk, more, but <laughs> fine, fine, I guess. All right, cool. Well, uh, thanks everyone for tuning in, hanging out and, uh, yeah, check out, uh, I think next week is going to be, we're going to have a conversation with, uh, uh, Garrett Schleif and Todd uh, from Grizzly Stick. I think they're going to be hanging out with us uh, here pretty soon. And uh, we're going to uh, chat with them, talk about some new stuff they've got coming out. So uh, once again, thanks for hanging out. Uh, and until next time, stay lethal and don't forget the olive oil. <laughs> <laughs>